Vom ewigen Eis der Gletscher zum Artenreichtum des Regenwaldes. Von den Tiefen der Ozeane zu den höchsten Gipfeln der Welt. Mit dem neuen Sender Sky Nature ist man ganz nah dran. Tauche zusammen mit Schauspieler Fari Yadim tief in die Welt der Elemente ein. Oder blicke der Fridays-for-Future-Ikone Greta Thunberg über die Schulter. Mit zahlreichen Sky Originals und aufwendigen Naturdokumentationen bietet Sky Nature ein inspirierendes Programm rund um unseren Planeten. Sky Nature. Jetzt neu auf Sky. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves a drop of claret. It does indeed. Now, having finally turned a 4-3-3 with Kante Mountain Havertz in midfield against uh, Krasnodar, or Krasnodar in midweek to great success, Frank Lampard employed it again against Burnley. And lo, it worked. Kante put in one of his best performances for ages. Mount was dynamic and imperious. And Havertz uh, got the best out of Ziyech, uh, Abraham and Werner. Yes, we could have finished better, but the all-round display, especially off the ball, had a typically obstinate Burnley side chasing shadows for much of the game. Um, so there you go. Now, but it was all anchored again by another excellent defensive display led by Mendy and Silva, giving Chelsea their fourth clean sheet in a row. Things are building from the back through midfield and in attack. Long may it continue. Uh, and tonight's show is called Claret on the Carpet. Chelsea fancast number 537. And as ever, by my left... Well, my my left... <coughs> my left-hand side, down a bit, is Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Or as we've decided... We're not quite sure. We've come up with a whole range of um, descriptors, depending on what mood he might be in. Uh, he might be J.K. Growling, J.K. Howling, J.K. Scowling. We'll just call him J.K. for now and see how it goes. How are you, mate? I suggested J.K. Vowling you and did. J.K. Bowling, but they were a bit too obscure, weren't they? Yeah, it has to be owl, an owl in there, doesn't it? J.K. Owling. That's quite. Well, you could you could be that. Yeah, you do look yeah. a bit like an owl with your round it specs. Openings, not quite the same. Yeah, miss specs. Yeah, yeah. I'm very good, thank you very much. I've just made a show reel. This afternoon. Have you? Some of my best bits, yeah, because I'm doing a webinar about how to do voiceovers. Was it, was so, it about an hour long? Funnily enough, it's it just goes on all afternoon. Does it really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I'm not surprised. No, five minutes, thank you. Really? Five minutes. But yeah. yeah, yeah, very good. Thank you. Lovely to be on the show. Good. Um, very, very upbeat for a change. So anybody expecting a rant? Sorry. Oh, well, oh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure we'll find something. Referees, man. Yeah, I yeah. Like the I'm, yeah, I'm sure yeah. we can find something for you to growl about and yeah, maybe even you. howl yeah. about, JK. Anyway, not, either not way. Towel about, though. Nothing no toweling. No toweling. Uh, good no. to see you, as ever. Now, I've also got with me uh, the, uh, the fa- well, I mean, we, we, you know, I think uh, the lovely Diana uh, is your number oh. one fan, Tony. She bends yes. my ear when you're not on, of course. Yes, well, she's, she's yeah. lovely, Diana. I, I, I mean, I could, I could, she's one of these people I could probably meet in the pub before a game and just say, well, let's not bother with the game. Let's just sit here and nap because, um, yeah, she's, she, she, she's brilliant. She is brilliant. To be fair, Tony, you do say that to all the girls. Yeah, but, you know, I've got a little twinkle in my eye for Diana, I think. 
Okay, I hope Alex isn't listening to this because well, they'll, 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 there will be blood on the carpet, let well, alone claret, mate. That's all I'm At my saying. age, no less. Yeah, anyway, mate, lovely my to age. see you as ever. Now, last but by no means least, uh, one of our one of our Chelsea fan cast favourites. We don't see enough of him, uh, you know, literally and metaphorically. Uh, the absolute legend, the cast iron legend is Mr. Joe Tweeds. Hello, Joe, how are you? Yeah, really well, Chid, yeah. It's, uh, it's been a while having a chat with you, so I'm looking forward to this evening. Good, yeah. Well, we're looking forward to speaking to you. We always do. You always have so much uh, different and far more intelligent insight than we can muster. So it's always an education having you on the show. So there <laughs> we go. Always like a rest on the show, Chid, whenever Joe's on. Yes, I know. Think, oh, yeah. I can go make a cup of tea and have a lie down. Have a, have a lie down. <laughs> have a lie down, mate. Yeah, have a lie down. Rest your weary head, mate. Thank you. That's okay. Right, now, on the show tonight, uh, we praise Chelsea's magnificent six and we ask, is Kante back to his best? And is in fact the place he, uh, the position he played in uh, on Saturday, his best position. In part two, we ask: Is the four-three-three here to stay, or is it horses for courses? Uh, we praise Zuma, and we ask: Is Pulisic made of glass? And we discuss whether Chelsea are beginning to click. And in part three. Lots to come in part three. Uh, we're going to have a look back at the 4-0 defeat of Krasnodar and ask if it heralded the end of Jorginho and Kovacic in a midfield too. Uh, mm. We also ask what more does Hudson-Odoi have to do and whether Frank turning mid-game to a 4-3-3 will have the same impact as Conte turning to 3-5-2 mid-game against Arsenal several years ago. Uh, we also look ahead to this Wednesday's match against René. Oh, René! I want to do... What's that, that lovely woman? What's that in, in um, that... that um, hello, hello. Vic, Victor, Vicky Michelle. Oh, Vicky Michelle. Yeah, lovely, lovely. René! I'm sorry to, to, to pour water on the gag, but it's Ren. I know, but actually they used to be called Stade René because I checked it on Wikipedia. But that's the adjective, so, R-E-N-N-A-I-S. So, so up yours, Delors. No, anyway. no, no, it's spelled completely differently. I'm sorry to pour cold water over this. Go and I, Google I, go and Google Ren now in yeah, Wikipedia yeah. Yeah, but the, and you'll see the, that there are about four different spellings of it. R-E-N-N-A-I-S, fair enough. René. Yeah. René! But this isn't. This is Ren. Don't you but, ever yeah, ruin but, one of my gags again. Ever. Yeah, ever. Always. Always. Ever. Always. You know <laughs> yeah. I will. You know I will. I, do you yes, know sorry. what? I, I'm amazed that, yeah. you know, how long yeah. have we been doing this on Zoom now? What, you haven't hit me. You can't. We're on Zoom. No, no. I'm, I mean, I've been what? doing on Zoom for what? Since March, certainly. Right? Yeah. I still yeah. haven't used the mute button on you. I mean, that is the. I, I think Mother Teresa's never shown that amount I'll, of I'll restraint. I'll tell you what, I'll do it myself. Hang on a second. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Right. Anyway, no bad gags this time. We'll go for a, another take. Uh, we're going to have a look ahead to this Wednesday's match against Rennes in the Champions League. Uh, and in part four, we, I mean, we really do actually. We've got some superb emails sent in by our loyal supporters for JK and myself to read out. And of course, as ever, do not forget. That on the Monday night show and the Friday night show, for that matter, you can you can join us on Mixler by going to mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where of course you can join in the chat room. As so many of you do, we have a we have what have we got? Bloody hell, we've got a bit of a throng in there tonight. Loads of you in there. I won't I won't ruin the moment by uh, name checking you all now. It'll take me half an hour, but it's great to see you all in there. It always is. We love seeing so many people in there on a Monday and a Friday night. Uh, and of course, you know, tweet us at Chelsea Fancast, uh, Instagram us at Chelsea Fancast, Facebook us uh, at Chelsea Fancast. Amazingly enough. There you go. Right now, after this very short break, we'll be back to talk about the football.
Right, so there we go. Um, I have to be honest and say that on Friday uh, we were all fairly, we were all fairly upbeat uh, about whooping Burnley's arse and whooped their arse. We certainly did, but um, I think the first with, thing that's with a caveat, Chidge, with a caveat that he needed to play. We did say, yeah, he had to play. Yeah, if he played four three, we all yeah. felt that. You know, basically, it's going to be the case. We were worried, though, that yeah. he would play um, uh, Kovacic and Jorginho. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I wasn't because I, I can't believe he would have been that stupid. Okay, but anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. You. That's sorry. all right. Well, I think the most notable thing, um, really, is that you know we, we'll talk about Pulisic later, but of course, you know, he he had a sensation in his hammy uh, during the warm up. So uh, it's interesting actually, because of course, as you know, I always put the team sheet out from Flash Score. And, of course, it still has Pulisic playing on the left. But uh, Werner, who clearly Frank uh, decided needed a rest. And, actually, I think, you know, in spite of the fact he scored and did all right, he he did look tired. But, anyway, it basically meant that the Magnificent Six, the six new signings, all got to play together in a Premier League game for the first time. And, of course, that's Mendy, Silva, Chilwell, Havertz, Ziyech and Werner. Um, I think the first thing, J.K., you know, I mean, we'll talk about them it blending and, and clicking and all that later. But I think the first thing first, how lovely to see them all playing. And what's, I mean, you know, we've bought some good players here, mate, haven't we? Oh, well, I, I, I was overjoyed. I got a bit weepy because I'm such an Did old you get horse. moist? No, no, just weepy. Moist and weepy is a bit different, actually, Chidge. Moist around the eyes, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, just because Havertz did something... Um, I still think he could do more habits, but I, I, he's beginning to. I'm beginning to look at him and think, actually, you're a bit wonderful on occasions, aren't you? He did something that he was surrounded by four men, as his Burnleys won't, and he just threaded the ball past, uh, for you know, short pass, but it just got himself completely out of danger and carried the attack on. And it was Alan Hudson, and I actually thought. God, you're such a classy player. That was that was Alan Hudson completely. And I was a great fan of Hudson. I thought it was one of the best players we had in the 70s. Well, ever. I thought he was such a sublime player. And um uh yeah, it was it was a joy to see them all together. And um, as you say, Werner, I think was a bit I think he partly switched off because he was supposed yeah, to be a sub. Yeah. But um uh um they're all they're all playing well, and you just look at them and think. Particularly Chilwell, I have to say, looks absolutely as if he's always been playing for Chelsea and has come up a level. And uh, um, there were some absolutely sublime moments, and I just thought, wow, this is this is such joy. And it made me realise actually the how uh, appallingly um, affected I am by watching my football team play well, because I just absolutely adore it, and. There was some brilliant football. I mean, also some great moments. Werner took his goal so wonderfully, um, and he was put in, and it was it was pretty easy for him. But you know, you needed a bit of class to do that. And Zayech is clearly a very class act as well. So I, I and and Silva, I have to say, apart from always looking slightly as if he's done himself a mischief every time he heads the ball away or something, and looking almost needs to be in cotton wool for a bit, and he got cramp at the end. It once again is clearly a class act, and Mendy is um, uh, is a proper goalkeeper, as Ron would say. And uh, no, I, I'm, I don't think I've answered your question, but I absolutely... no, I thought I'd let you eulogise. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I absolutely, I I loved it. I absolutely yeah. 
loved it. I, I mean, got... the only person I've got a question mark about, just a second here, we're just saying is, I know he scored a goal. Also, the other thing I want to say was when they scored, each time they scored, the joy amongst them as players was absolutely brilliant. They all hugged. They all were delighted with each other. There is a fabulous team spirit there as well. And I just thought this can only augur absolutely brilliantly for the rest of the season. So thank goodness there isn't a lockdown because it's elite sport and they're always being tested all the time. Um, because I think they can only get better and better. And I think it's dependent on and they're not being injuries, I'm afraid, because I think the, the negative aspect we had of Krasnodar was I'm, I'm not convinced by the Rudiger Zuma permutation. Well, that, that, that can wait till but part three. We'll do that. Indeed, I we promise will. I you. Just I'd give, yeah. give you a little hint of what we're well, going to be talking about. You know, about it's things. interesting, isn't it? Because, of course, you know, this is the dilemma we have, you know, because we do a little bit of a review about the uh, the midweek game on the Friday show. But because I, I want to keep that show to an hour, we only spend about 15 minutes on it. So. I therefore try and incorporate something a little bit different on the Monday show, and we didn't really talk about it on on Friday. So, good shout, J.K. Got to say, you know, so far, 12 minutes in, J.K.'s putting in a performance like most of the Chelsea side at the moment. He's on his A game today, so be very afraid, everybody, all right? (laughs) Um, I have to say, it's also delightful to see you so joyous at watching your beloved Chelsea. It makes sense. Oh, but it it just affects me. I love it. That's the thing. That's why I always want them to play well. And if they're not playing well, you know, you don't want to find fault. But when it starts working, you go, uh, you start loving the players as well. Mate, I love them all, mate. Good, bad or indifferent. You don't love them when they're playing dreadfully. I do, mate. You don't want to see them anymore. It's the key to you great know. parenting, Come mate. Come on. It's okay. called unconditional love, mate. Unconditional. All right. Try I don't it. Have I don't have that with a football team myself. You're a but... transactional sort of guy, mate. That's all I'm saying. I am. I'm sorry. I've let you all down. I'll, I'll be off. No, it's no, you, work... you haven't. You... Not no, no. <laughs> I think on balance, as I said, I think it's delightful to see you so joyous. Anyway, enough. We've had enough, enough. from you for a minute. Enough. Tony, Tony, Tony. Um, you know, what impressed <laughs> you most about those those six players and how they're all working? I, I loved, I loved uh, JK's comparison with... Uh, of Havertz with uh, Huddy because I- I've got to say I think Havertz is one of the most two-footed players I've seen. <coughs> yeah, he's so I, comfortable I, I, on the ball. I, I do. I like. I like that. Um, I like. I like that. That kind of uh, uh, allegory. You know, he's that he's he's in that area. He's he's Hudson. Like Hudson was a a super player that didn't play more games for England because Alf Ramsey didn't like him. Um, it came down to that being as blunt as that, and he was a, 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 an absolutely super, super player. But I think he's got a touch of somebody else in there as well, just in his recent performances. And I think he's got a touch of the um, Didier Deschamps about him, in that he did a lot of very quiet cleaning up work, right? With without any, you look at all of the the, the headlines the next day and, and that evening were all about. Zayech and um, and Werner and Mendy and all this barely have us barely got a mention, okay. And I I think that kind of suited him. Um, that you know he wasn't he, you know, he's been the one that's been the most sort of vocal about how difficult um, the Premiership has has been in terms of a surprise to him or whatever. So um, and Dacian was the sort of player I really liked. Just quietly got on with it. Just just, just you know, broke the game up, made things happen. You know, you never saw him joining the celebrations that much or whatever. So I think he's got an interesting mix there. These six players look great, don't they? Um, but out of all of them, the one that's standing out for me is Mendy. It's that simple. 
When was the last time we sat here and had four clean sheets on the trot? I don't I mean, know. I bet you Joe will know the answer to that. I'll let him cogitate will, on that. I'm just but... saying that, that we've spoken for ages and ages and ages about how having a dodgy keeper, a shaky, non-confident keeper who won't come off his line, who doesn't seem to shout, who, who wants to use his, you know, go down, go, go with his feet instead of making himself big, all sorts of things, how that makes the defenders, I think, overthink things. Yeah, and then they're trying to cater for all sorts of, um, you know, potential disasters. And that's where the gaps produce because they're trying to do too much instead of having that faith and that trust in, in someone behind them. Um, and I think we've seen with the guy, um, uh, uh, remind me of the name of the Burnley player who stuck it over the bar, Ashley Barnes, Ashley Barnes. Yeah. yeah. Right. But look at the size that Mendy put in front of him. And he was out. He was out making himself big. Giving him nothing to shoot at, you know. We just, you just, I can't imagine Kepper doing it. I don't want to get on Kepper's back, but I think when you've got a proper keeper, you know, one who who bosses um, and and really does boss, you know, that whole penalty area and, and seems to be okay at bossing his back four, and it makes all the difference. I'm deeply impressed with, with the way things are going at the moment. I hope that this is Frank's Conte oh. versus Arsenal moment. I really do. I'm going to mute because my wife's coming through the door now, so you're just going to hear loads of noise. All right. Okay. Um, well, that's all right because uh, I think what you said is lovely. Um, I'm going to bring Joe in now. And I mean, I'd love to hear what Joe thinks about the Magnificent Six, but, you know, I, I think it's the appropriate time also to, to bring in something which I think needs to be said very strongly and very equally. And that is how fundamental and crucial to. Uh, yes, uh, well, Saturday's performance, the likes of Abraham, who who got a a rare outing thanks to Pulisic, well, Werner being rested and then Pulisic getting injured, but Abraham was going to start as the number nine, Mason Mount and 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 Reece James, who I thought was super. I'm just going to read you out these Mason Mount stats, which I, I mean, I'm not a massive stat man as we know, but these are worth reading. Uh, 101 touches. One assist uh, from the corner, 73 out of 80 completed passes. That's a 93.1% accuracy. Seven out of seven long passes completed. Three key passes, one chance created, two shots on target, three tackles, one. I mean, Joe, I, I am in danger rapidly of becoming Mason Mount's biggest supporter and fan. I, I absolutely love this little guy. I just think he's the bollocks. And it was really lovely on Match of the Day uh, that they pointed out, you know, his abilities, his dynamism, his ability to get forward and back, his range of passing, Joe. I mean, he can do no wrong for me. I love the little guy. And he's a proper Hampshire boy too, just to put the ice, the, the, the cherry on the top of the cake, mate. Yeah, I, I think the the thing with, with Mason is that he's such a fundamentally good footballer that I think he he can play in so many positions that that versatility can count against him a little bit. You've seen him play wide, um, you know, maybe not his his favourite position, but he certainly can do a job there. But as someone who kind of watched him growing up from pretty much all the, the age groups when you can start seeing them play on TV and clips and various things like that, him as a central midfielder has always been his his sort of natural role. And I think that's also where Lampard used him for, for Derby quite frequently. And I think probably one of the, the interesting things to me when you sort of watch his, his game is that he looks to me like the complete modern central midfielder. He has all of the athleticism and dynamism to get up and down the pitch. I think he is the perfect foil for Angolo Kante. You can see the trust that the pair of them have in one another. The fact that there is a 
a kind of a, a nice sort of lever and, and balance between the two as well. Um, but his ability to play those punchy passes into strikers, to carry the ball, to take the ball on the half turn, he's so incredibly versatile. And I think actually this performance was very reminiscent to, I think, his game he had against Everton just before all of the, the, the lockdown stuff kicked in, where I felt that he he played, I think, in a, in a 4-3-3 with Barkley and Kante as well. And that was probably, for me, one of the best games that he played was in that sort of left central midfield position. But what, what you can see with him is that where he... He has the sort of attacking instincts in the final third. He can link play. He can sort of play all sort of the neat one-one touch stuff with with all of the the sort of more quote-unquote cultured sort of attacking players that we have. But he's also great at doing the dirty work. I mean, there was a clip I think saw going around uh, on Twitter today of him sort of running back 10, 20 meters to to nail someone in a slide tackle, then get up and not just sort of admire the fact that he clatters someone, but instantly you know looking for the ball again, looking to turn the the, the game into attack and. No, there, there's a reason that every single coach who has had him absolutely loves him because, A, he executes what the coach wants to, to perfection. He will run for 90 minutes. And for me, the more that I see him in central midfield, I think the more he reminds me of the occasional game that you would get from Oscar, where Oscar looked like a world-class midfielder, where he'd play in central midfield and he'd have these wonderful games and then he'd disappear for 10 games. But that sort of style of midfielder who can do everything you would really want, she... Uh, pass, tackle. I mean, he's he's a complete, complete player in that respect. So I think he he probably is, is one of the, the sort of shining lights and probably one of the biggest players to to benefit from this system. And I think also the, the other player to benefit from will be, will be N'Golo Kante because now you have someone who has legs besides Kante, who can chase back, who can press, who can do some of that running for him. And I think that balance works really, really well. well I, I couldn't agree more with all of that analysis, but to pick up on that last point, I think you're spot on. And I think actually, you know, Jonathan was saying this and <clears throat> you know, for all the talk about, um, you know, what a silky player Havertz is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he, what I loved about the fact that he played in the three is that we, we lost none of his creativity, which I think is there for all to see, but he put a shift in as well. And he was getting yeah. back, he was putting tackles in and he's quite a unit, Joe, isn't he? I mean, I thought he was a yeah. bit of a willow the wisp, but actually he's quite a unit, isn't he? I think that, that, probably the biggest compliment you can pay him, and I think certainly when he plays in these midfield areas, is that for his age, I think so many young players, every time they touch the ball, they want to do the Hollywood thing. They want to do the Hollywood pass. They want to beat people. They want to to do sort of everything that they can possibly to affect the game. And I think from the Southampton game, where he obviously, he did some really nice play, lost the ball, got called out and they scored. You can see that he's almost instantly learned from, okay, I don't have the time to, to maybe do some of these things in these areas. And I think the, the big compliment is that he executes all of the simple things and makes all of the simple decisions when he should do. And then when he has the ability to show the reason that he's an £80 million player, you see that as well. There were some moments in the game where the ball would come into him and he, it was literally just, he'd have one touch of the ball and it would kill three players. His, his first touch is so good. It would take people out or it would sort of shift it around the corner to someone else. Um, but, you know, the defensive work, and I think also that something Lampard touched on as well, you know, if you watch the, the midfield during the game, Havertz is always tracking a midfield runner. He's always goal side of the run. He's always doing what you want a proper central midfielder to do. He's not some, you know, he's kind of been billed as this sort of fancy show pony number 10 who just sort of, just kind of wants to stand in the hole and sort of make passes. But he was doing an absolute ridiculous shift. And you're right. He brings a physical element to that midfield. He puts some challenges in. And I think the thing as well, this is a young player who's, I think, 21, just adapting to the Premier League. You know, if, if you at that age can already take it upon yourself to do the simple things when you need to and then show your quality when you can, 
you know, over the course of the season, he only gets better. If you look at his Leverkusen stats, you know, he starts pretty well, but he ends the season like supremely strong in terms of goals, assists and all those sorts of metrics. So I think he he is going to continue to to be a fantastic player. And, you know, when you look at that sort of right-hand side with Reese James, with, with Ziyech, that sort of mobility and interchangeability between the three of them, it's going to be so difficult to, for teams to stop because Ziyech pops up in pockets that you don't expect a right winger to. Habits can naturally drift to the right-hand side. He can go beyond the play. You know, he can sort of drop deep. It's it's a really going to be a really difficult problem for teams to solve because if you're a fullback, who do you pick up? You know, if you follow Ziyech, then Reese James was was wide on so many occasions. We had so many spaces, uh, so much space for switches of play. Um, it's it's going to be a massive, massive problem. So I really liked what I was seeing between them. But also, you know, again, the, the relationship with Mason Mount, with, with Kante, they just seem to, they look like they've been playing together for a number of years rather than sort of the first maybe the first 90 minutes that they started together. Yeah, nice one, Joe. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Ziyech, actually, JK. You know, I thought, actually, his performance particularly caught the eye. I mean, I think we knew about him. I thought he was superb uh, for Ajax when we played them last year, and and I've seen him play for Ajax a fair bit, actually. Did you watch all of the games last season? Yeah, didn't you watch Ajax last season? Yeah, come on, mate, sort it out. Anyway, but I, I, it really did catch the eye because, of course, one's one's very much aware of the fact that you know he's not really kicked a ball in anger much uh, for six months. Um, but he's clearly a class out. And, and do you know what caught my eye most about Zayic's performance uh, on Saturday against Burnley, J.K.? It was his intelligence, yeah, off the ball. You know, his movement and the way yeah. he brings people in. We've got ourselves a player there, mate. And a sweet, sweet foot. My yes. goodness. Yes. Great goal, I thought. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Really thought out. Yeah, he just he he he's so he took it so quickly, that's why the goalkeeper was was foxed. I mean it went through a precision. Leg. It was absolutely, yeah. 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 Listen, for all the talk of all the silky smooth stuff, which of course I, I like a I like a bit of silky smooth, as we know, but you know me, I like well, it a was bit was silky smooth. Well I know, I, he's predominantly silky smooth, but yeah, I, as well, well I, I think the whole football was in, in some respects silky smooth, but you know me, JK, I like a bit of rough as well. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do like a bit of rough. <laughs> I didn't know that much. Could you explain? Well, no, I'm not. I, I think it needs no explanation. But anyway, the point that I want to make is that, for you know, however good we were on the ball, and I thought we were really good on the ball, actually. I mean, Burnley were chasing shadows for a lot of the game. Hang on, just let me finish the point. Yeah, no, I was uh, agreeing with you. I was about to say yes. Oh, OK. You were we allowed were good, to do that. We were good off. We were very good off the ball as yeah. well. Well, I, I think this was actually the key to it because I just thought the pressing throughout the team the desire to win the ball back to keep the ball and if they lost it to win it back again I mean Joe was mentioning Mount a minute ago absolutely superb great desire I thought Uh, and I just thought we looked really really good you know all the possession the threatening going forward and the other thing that really caught my eye was you know we you know there were a few sloppy moments you know we did give the ball away a few times but we this this is the difference between the team with Silva and Mendy in, as opposed to the, the team with say Rudiger and Kepper in, is that when we were sloppy, the defence cleared it up. It was yeah. great to see J.K. I thought. No, it was. It was. It was. Um, it was brilliantly orchestrated, and I think possibly by having Silva's. Uh, um, just cool excellence, his ability to know. Real wise head, isn't he? Very, very wise head indeed, and it's a, it's that thing where you, 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 you're not thinking. Oh, he's a bit slow. We're not thinking. It's just because he's doing that JT thing of just yeah. being in the right place. Half right a time. yard in his head, mate. He's reading the game, and also what I love about him is he, he heads the ball away yeah. into pockets yeah. where 
it's not actually anywhere near the opposition, which is which is such an elementary thing. But is but so many players, even in the Premier League, head the ball back into dangerous areas. I mean, I'm afraid that's Zuma is still slightly prone to that. But once again, I loved it when Zuma scored and Silva jumped onto his back with joy. Didn't he, he look thought, happy when he scored? Happy looked very happy. Oh, I what what? But also two goals from corners. Mounts mounts not hitting the first man mounts doing it properly they've been practicing it and they've got somebody on the end of it and uh um i thought um uh, it's still the same slight dilemma with zuma i still think he he is slightly too left feet i feel he's learning all the time i feel it's if 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 he learns from silver and comes up he's a great header of the ball zuma but it's that thing he he keeps just slightly playing the ball short you just think come I on I don't, you know mate you know and we, we, I spoke about it on Friday, and I, and I love Zuma, I really do. Yeah, but yeah. he's not a footballer. Yeah, he's a great athlete. Also, Two left he, feet, he, mate. He's heading the ball, but even he occasionally heads the ball into pockets where you think that's a bit dangerous. Yeah. Come on, I mean, I, I've always hated this aspect of even fullbacks. You think they're not a great fullback if they'll do something well. It's what Frank Sinclair syndrome. They'll do something well. They'll beat somebody, and then they'll kick the ball straight to the opposition down the pitch, even if it's. You know, um, twenty yards away, you're still giving the ball away, and Zuma is just slightly prone to that still. Whereas all the others seem to be, uh, whether it's something that the season will just, that if they're working together and he learns from him, I'm happy for well, that. Well, I, 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 I don't. You see, this is the thing. I don't think he will because you know, you, you, we, we, all of us here, all of us have played football. Okay, to varying levels of shitness in my case, but we've all played football, so we all know the difference between somebody who has natural ability in their feet and somebody who doesn't. I, and I speak as somebody who didn't really. I I was completely one-footed. I, I mean, my my left my left foot was to stand on, and that was it. And I had hang on, hang on, you were clogger. I used to kick people. That's what I was yeah. best at. But um, you know, I had to think about it. You know, it wasn't natural. Good footballs, particularly at this level, it is so instinctive and natural. They don't have to think about what they're doing when they've got the ball at their feet. When you watch Zuma play, it's like you can see the cogs going around his head. You know, it's just, it is not natural for him. You look at Silver, Silver, totally comfortable with the ball at his feet. That's the difference. And I, that is natural. And I, 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 I'm not entirely sure that can be a hundred percent eradicated. I think, think it can be improved. That will, that will be a position that will be, be replaced at, um, at well, the next I, I, let's not go down this rabbit hole, but I'm just going to say one word Tamori. Okay. And we'll leave it at that. What I want to, <laughs> what I want to do now is I want to, uh, I, actually, I want to say hello to Zuriel N- Ng. NG. I still can't say your name. I'm just going to call you Zuriel, who we've not seen or heard from in Mixer for ages. He says, hey, everyone. Good evening, Chidge and Jonathan and the gang. It's been some time since I'm here. Got a chance to tune in today. Hope everyone is good. Well, we're. I think I can speak for all of us and say we're all fantastic, Zuriel, and it's just brilliant to see you in here. How lovely. Um, right, Tony, time to talk about Kante. Um, I thought he was immense, mate. Um, you know, I think he... he he really did lead a lot of that, uh, you know, being good off the ball stuff that I was talking about. He was he was absolutely my man of the match. I think he bossed midfield. He ran it. I'm going to call him the cleaner because he cleans shit up. I love him, mate. Fantastic performance from him. Is he back to his best? Well, I hope so because he's been way off it for some time. Um, and I've been quite openly critical of him, you know, on Twitter, but also on here. I haven't shied away from the fact that I think... Um, 
we had the issue with him being made of glass um, and the issue with him being anonymous for me in some games. Um, now, you know, whether, whether that's this, I, I still get frustrated with this, but he's not in his best position. Do you know what? When I was a kid playing football, you played where you were told and you made a bloody good fist of it, no matter what, because you were just happy to be on the pitch. You didn't go to some <sighs> mad sulk because you're not in your best position or whatever. Um, uh, but he is a workhorse of a player. Um, and I think if he gets back to doing what he does best and, and this kind of sort of semi makalele role where you just break the game up and you just clean the game up and, and whatever. Um, he doesn't need to be the sort of player that's encouraged to go forward. He's not going to be a box-to-box mid- midfielder in the, in the way that um, Frank was going to get in 20, 25 goals a season. He'll pop up with the odd one here and there. And if he sticks to that, I think we, he, he's fine. My worry is about his his general robustness um, and how long he'll last before, you know, yet again, we've got Kante injured and people will go, yeah, but he's played so many games. Well, he hasn't, has he? That's the point. He hasn't. He hasn't played so many games. He hasn't been a regular in the team, you know, in the same way that as Pelicueta has been or, or, or other players. So uh, uh, that's a bullshit. Well, I think even that season when we won the Europa League, that would be blimey last that's not no the season before last now, yeah. isn't it? He didn't. He was in and out then. He had a few injuries then before yeah. the Europa League final, which yeah. many say the, did the for him. I get from people is yeah, but he's played so many games in the last three years. Well, how far do you want to go back? These are professional footballers. They are fit. They are honed. They are looked yeah. after. They it's are it's injuries they are. that are doing for him, not fitness. Yeah, and, and I think it is. But you know, if, if you're susceptible to injuries, and we all know there are players who are those kind of players who, who seem to be, you know, the made of glass phrase or whatever. I, I hope he gets a chance to prove that he isn't because yes, he would be, you know, a, a banker on the team sheet. Um, and you can't argue with a hundred percent cross completion. You can't argue with. Well, look, I, I, can, you've got the stats there. I'm just going to read these out tone because yeah. I think this, this sums, sums his performance up for me. And then I'll, then I'll have a quick chat with Joe about Kante because it'd be remiss of me not to ask Joe what he thinks, but uh, on Saturday against Burnley, 100% aerial duels won. And that's not bad considering he's not very tall. 100% cross completion, 100% touches. Sorry, 100 touches, 96% passing accuracy, four ball recoveries, three tackles, two interceptions, one foul, one, one shot, one chance created a masterful display. Was it not Joe? Yeah, I think this is Kante's best performance that I can actually remember um, for a very, very long time. I think just piggybacking on, on some of the stuff that Tony said there, I think if there is a, a genuine push to make Kante this sort of Makaleli-esque midfielder who is more of a sitting player, you know, his skill set for me has always been his ability to hump people in midfield, you know, his energy, his ability to press, to sort of harry people and win the ball back and win challenges, etc. If you can now sort of convert that energy and make him into a more disciplined player, someone who sits and also surrounded with legs, Havertz, Mount, people like that who have energy to press, to do some of the running, to do some of the defensive work. I think that he he has the potential to prolong his career. I think McAlady did that role exceptionally well into his mid-30s. I think Kante is, what, 29, 30 at the moment. So if you have the ability to extend his career by making him do less running, be less physical, be less of this kind of all-action swashbuckling kind of tackling kind of midfielder, and just focus him on being more cerebral, picking his moments when, when he sort of does his his kind of burst of energy. I think there's potential to extend his, his career because 
you know, he has, I think, certainly been, been covering for a number of players that he's played with over the past couple of seasons. Their deficiencies defensively, the lack of legs around him has often been him sort of trying to cover the entire width of a football pitch at times, which is is virtually impossible even for, for the best players on their best days. So doing that at sort of the injury rate he's had, as Tony alluded to, you know, he hasn't been as robust as what we've seen. I think potentially lessening that kind of workload and putting him in that position where he can be intelligent and actually choose to pick him and pick pick his moments actually hopefully prolongs his career. And I think probably the the, fa- the fascinating thing for me was you can tell when Kante is confident because the, the little like a like chip pass free ball thing, I think the, the chance that he created was outrageous. That was sort of almost like, uh, you know, Ramirez, when Ramirez remembered he was Brazilian, that sort of skill set that, you know, that, that, that Ramirez used to have and Kante is capable of doing as well. So, yeah, just I think an all-round fantastic game. But I think if you continue to surround him with, with midfielders who have legs, who can help him, then, you know, he can still be, I think, a really fantastic holding player. And he showed as well his distribution wasn't slow, wasn't plodding, wasn't wasn't methodical, making aggressive passes, making good choices. I think it was, was one, of his, one of his best displays in a very, very yeah. long time. He looked a happy bunny, didn't he? And I don't blame him because I just think it works so well with the other two in there, like you were saying. I mean, the reality is... Kante, as we've been saying for bloody years, I mean, we, we, you know, go go back to when he turned up. We always, always used to say we only have two world class players in this side, and one of them is Eden Hazard, and the other is N'Golo Kante. He's a superb footballer. Period. Right, we need to move on uh, to a break because we've got loads more to discuss. But before we do that, a couple of things. First of all, there's a, a Mixler um, post by Disco Donny, the lovely Donny from Chelsea, Sweden, uh, or Daniel Jonu Jonu. I always get it wrong. I end up sounding like Donald Trump when I mispronounce people's names. It's, it's quite. Uh, it's, I need to see my therapist about this. There's something very deeply, darkly wrong with that. But anyway, uh, there is. I'll just use his mixler handle, shall I? Disco Donny uh, says, by the way, I like Zuma. I think he's a top, top defender. Not the best with his feet, but a centre-half doesn't have to be. He's so strong. Wins everything in the air. Don't agree with Chidge on this one. Well, Donny, clean, clean your ears out. I, I don't think Zuma is a bad defender. I think he is... He is. Um, I don't know if we are talking about it later, so maybe I'll just talk about it now instead. But I think he's absolutely integral to our defence. For me, the the the, the most well, the the best centre back pairing at the moment is Silva and Zuma, and and Zuma particularly because his physicality, his uh, his pace, he's he's very good in the air. We you need a central defender who can clear it out, and I think he does that. Um, but I stand by what I said, and I think you even agree with me. You said he's not the best with his feet. He's not. And that can be a liability for us. I think I think uh, Silver, with his all-round defensive intelligence, can help Zuma certainly with his positioning, which I also think is a weakness, and also clean it up if it goes a bit pear-shaped. But I think what I was really saying was that, you know, these days the way that managers like to play, they like to play out from the back. They like to be able to have defenders who are comfortable with the ball at their feet. And I think all I really was saying about Zuma. I wasn't saying he was shit and I don't like him. I was just saying that he is not a natural footballer. He is not a footballer who is comfortable with the ball at his feet. Whether they have to be or not, as you infer that they don't, I think I don't agree with that because I think the, the modern game dictates that you've you know you've got to have 11 footballers. Although having said that, I remember we talked about this on the show the other week, how odd it is these days, you know, that... They, there seems to be a move away in some sense from footballers to having great big units and athletes and, and, and the football seems secondary. Kind of reminds me when I was a kid, JK. Uh, we were the worst football team in the world, by the way. Ropley Tigers, I've told you about them before. But we had um, we had a lovely winger 
right, called called uh, Dave Brill. And Dave was a bit posh, actually. He went to my school. His father was a doctor. So he's a bit posh. So he's a bit of a rugby boy, right? Anyway, we, we convinced and bullied him to go and play for us because he could run fast because he was a wing in rugby. So we used to put him out in the wing and we used to, like, hoof the ball up to him and get him to run after it. He was very fast. But he couldn't do anything with it because he, he had two left feet. Cause he was, I mean, he, he all, all but picked it up and ran with it. I mean, you know, foot, his feet was for standing on. They were not for playing football. So we get there ahead of everybody, but then just think, what yeah. on earth do I do with it? A bit like we Jesper to... Gronkjaer. <laughs> <laughs> he scored the odd good goal. He, he scored did. a very good he goal did. at Everton. Run, Forrest, run. Very good goal against Liverpool. We had a player called Steve Pratt who was always offside, and he was so offside frequently, and he frequently be offside, he wouldn't have a linesman because it was Sunday football, and he would actually say, sorry, referee, I'm offside. And we'd go, for fuck's sake, Steve. <laughs> referee, he would flag himself offside. Yeah, he would. He would. <laughs> sorry, I was offside. Bit like Maratta. Yeah, I was going to say, he wasn't related to Maratta. Was he like his dad? Or his... <laughs> did you see it? Though? Did you see during the week, Maratta was tw- offside twice for Juventus? Yeah, Patrick. I do. I do. Right. Patrick, I think he got... Okay. Was it, yeah. Patrick, it was disallowed, all of them. Yeah, something, old. something that is never offside, of course, is the wonderful, wondrous, the best fanzine in the universe. Let alone Chelsea, it's the best ever, and it is CFC UK, uh, uh, mastered by the uh, indomitable Mister DJ himself, uh, who I love to pieces, and I hope he's well. I really do. Uh, I know things are a bit tough for him at the moment, but he's doing a grand job keeping the fanzine going. Um, I've got one in the pipeline. I think I w- uh, waffled on about it the other week. But uh, anyway, I know you can't get it on a match day at the store, which is a great shame for all of us. All of us miss going there and saying hello to everybody like Marco and DJ and Jason, uh, Chuckles the cabbie, you know, all of that lot. But you still you can get it still. Uh, but all you have to do is you just have to let DJ know, basically. So you, you email cfcuk at gate17.co.uk. You can pay for it uh, using PayPal. Uh, so and you can subscribe as well um, if you email that email address then you can find out how to subscribe but I think it's two quid including first class postal delivery I commend it to you right we'll be back in a minute when we're going to talk more about the Burnley game about the 4-3-3 uh, well I think you know we, we talk more about Zuma because uh, you know having kind of told him told everybody I don't think he can play football I think there are plenty of other things we can praise him about uh, Pulisic is he made of glass and finally, are we beginning to click? I think we are, but we'll be back in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the Boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Football right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast, and I am Stanford Chidge and uh, Jonathan doing his shoulder exercises. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Chidge. Yes, everyone. Either that, or you're having a very big wank. A very big wank with a very small penis. I'm trying to give it more. I think it's like a fantasy it. wank. Yes, it would be. Yes, it, it would be. Can we explain like, that? Well, chuffed that he hasn't got a camera. Because he, <laughs> no, this is this honestly, is one of those... the, the images that were being grained. 
<laughs> bad enough just on, on on audio joe let alone seeing it yeah yeah, yeah just everybody just i'm doing a shoulder ex i've had a shoulder replacement and uh and I'm, it, it eases the stiffness if i do a, an enormous kind of <laughs> for the um, shoulders we hasten to add oh god you're so quick tonight <laughs> the guinness mate <laughs> yes yeah, the guinness doing it yeah it's good for you yeah you do a kind of sort of pulley exercise as if you're on a pulley uh, hoisting yourself up for some kind of it, so chandelier you, sexual activity. Are you pulley, pullying yourself off? Indeed, I'm pullying my pudding. My pudding. Anyway, yeah. enough. I think we all know now. There, in fact, there are people who are yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest who also know that Jonathan is on the show with me tonight. But then he always is, so they, <laughs> they ought to by now. Uh, there we go. Uh, we've also got the right Reverend Tony Glover, who I love to pieces, miss him dreadfully, even though he, do- he only lives about 20 miles from me. We need, we can't go and have that drink now because of the bloody no, lockdown, mate. No, we buggered it, haven't we? Buggered it. I'm going to my local tomorrow night for a bit of a sesh, actually. Yeah. See it off in styly. I think it's, uh, uh, you know, it's a shame. But then the day we do do it, Chid, we will, we will love it. Well, we get to see each other on Friday night in our little virtual pub, don't we? we? Do. With the, some of the some of the boys from the cock and places. Yeah, uh, really so nice. there you go. Anyway, great to see you, Tony. Now, last but by no means least, we can't see him because uh, Joe has not in, in, in invested in a uh, a webcam, which is probably a video camera, which is probably a very sensible idea. Uh, it's lovely to, to to hear him. Joe, lovely to hear your dulcet tones. Can I just say, to interrupt quickly, Joe, sorry. I love it, though, because I've got this vision of Joe just being an enormous brain. He's just, <laughs> just, just cute. He's like, you remember that yes. nobody will know this, like the Mekon. It was this, this, yes. this in the eagle. The, the eagle, uh, there was this, this alien with Dan Dare, and he was just an enormous green head. <laughs> And I have this vision with with Joe that he's just and there's nothing and he's feeding himself fish to keep the brain. Herring, herring, fish parts are quite accurate. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear, there's no sorry, answer to that, Joe. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Joe, great to have you back on the show. It's been far too long, mate. Lovely to have you. Yeah, on. I, I've been outed as Joe ninety, so uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe as Hal actually from. Uh, what's oh, that? Yeah. Space Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah, we go. Yeah. All right, let's crack on. Um, now, uh, you know, everybody knows, uh, many are trying to take credit for it, like Dean Mears, who I love to pieces. But of course, I've been personally on the crusade for the 433 for what seems like an eternity now. Dean says it was all down to him because he wrote about it. I think he just basically absorbed my musings. But anyway, whatever. We're not going to fall out about it. Um, particularly as he completely owned me on Twitter, actually, which is not easy to do. So my hat is well and truly off to him. But anyway... Uh, it finally happened against Krasnodar, which we will speak about in a minute. But, I mean, the point for me, Joe, is that it, it totally... And this is why I was crying out for it. I mean, I, I felt we had a, a a problem trying to fit a lot of these talented attacking players, many of whom can either play on the wing, many of whom can play as a number 10, many of them whom can play, you know, in, in midfield. And they're all there are similarities amongst all of them I mean, you know Werner can play strike he can play on the left Pulisic can play number 10 or he can play on the wing Ziyech the same Havertz I reckon can probably play anywhere and I, it, it looked like Frank was trying to uh, you know I was having a problem trying to fit them all in and also shoehorn Mountain and I think Mount in a sense was the the square peg in a round hole and we were all saying you know you just can't you can't not have Mount play because he dictates the tempo of the side so much and he brings so much to the to the team and it seemed obvious and apparent to us that the big problem that we had was uh Jorginho and Kovacic uh, or Jorginho and Kante or Kovacic and Kante 
being too ponderous in midfield and not not moving the ball quick enough. So, you know, Kante, you don't need two holding midfielders. You can just have Kante in there and have your two number eights, which is what we were always led to believe Frank always wanted to do. But the thing is, Joe, I think basically the 4-3-3 brings out the best of Kante, Mount and Havertz and allows us to play, I think, the, the best three that we've got up front, which is Werner, Pulisic and Ziyech. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. I think this sort of hunt for the formation is actually kind of really hindered on the, the fitness of, of Hakim Ziyech. I think the fact that he has now come back into the team means that Lampard can sort of finally play the system that he's wanted to. And I, I keep drawing the parallels with Oscar and Mount because I remember Mourinho used to stick Oscar on the wing ahead of De Bruyne, ahead of loads of people. You know, he played him as a defensive number 10, a little bit like Mount has been deployed. Um, I remember doing doing podcasts on YouTube where we would see him play midfield and we'd say, well, why is he not playing a bit more regularly? So to see him sort of now in his more favourite position, I don't, I don't think you have to have an innate understanding of tactics or coaching to see how much uh, quicker the tempo was as soon as Kante and, and Mount came on. Havertz, I thought, was having a fairly decent game, but he looked far more lively, far more connected. And I think the biggest issue that we have, when, certainly when we play the, the Kovacic and Jorginho kind of pairing, is that there's, there's such a lack of ambition on the ball. There was one point, I think, it might have been in the, in the first half, where Hudson-Odoi was absolutely in. And I think any other midfielder bar, bar uh, Jorginho would have played the past him. And yet he, he played it square and then we sort of completely sort of killed a move there. So it's a question of, you know, you have all this wonderful attacking talent. You need the right players and I think the right system to be able to not only get them into game, but sort of knit things together. And certainly, you know, Lampard was alluding to it, the the four three three with that kind of already preset triangle in midfield creates a lot more sort of passing angles and opportunities for people to to actually move the ball forward. You know, you have I think a little bit of a tendency with Kovacic and, and Jorginho to play very kind of flat and sort of parallel to one another, um, which then requires the number ten to drop incredibly deep to try and find the ball. And then when he does uh, sort of drop deep, you know, Kovacic isn't going to find a pass, and we know Jorginho is, is unlikely to, to play the ball as well. So. I think it's a little bit to do with the personnel change and I think it's a little bit to do with the formation. Um, but having those sort of two kind of internal midfielders being mountain habits give you so many possibilities because they're both so great going forward. They're both great passers. They can both carry the ball. But as we saw in the in the, the Burnley game, their defensive duties as well, they're not they're not going to sort of switch off on those. But it's it's the, the ZH move for me, which I think has been the most interesting because the way that he plays from that right-hand side, he comes... I've, you know, we saw him against Burnley coming all the way across to the left-hand touchline to create space to sort of move the ball. And I think one of my biggest concerns with, with playing him and Havertz originally on the same side was that obviously they're both left-footed playing on the right. They both like to occupy sort of similar areas, but they're both so intelligent that that literally isn't a problem. So, you know, I think that there's the ZH move, Havertz playing there. And then it's really just a question of then trying to find your centre-forward. I'm personally someone that I would prefer Chelsea to play with a focal point up front. I think Tammy or, or Giroud give us options. And I think looking at the Southampton game in particular, when they were pressing the life out of us in the second half, one of the easiest ways to get around that is just, just to go over the top of the midfield. If you play the ball over the top to Giroud five, six times, their press is going to drop because they're completely out of the game. And I think sometimes a little bit of an issue I have with the Werner Pulisic and ZH front three is that it limits our ability to go direct. Well, I, I think, think having I think, that option is, is important. I think Tammy, Tammy would be equally adept at that actually and I, I mean, yeah he's, I, think he's got, he's got... I think he had quite quite a good game yeah. against Burnley was yeah. he was he gave us the ability to go long and it's a nice option to have when you're trying to build the style of play you're trying to build it from the back if you can go long it really does affect how other teams defending against us they can't just press because they know that that ball can come 
he held the ball up much better than I've seen him do before, actually, Tammy. Yeah, it looks like he's, he's something he's been working on, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Joe, here's the thing. I mean, you know, I, I personally love the 4-3-3 because I think the other problem, I mean, the ponderousness and, yeah. the, and the having two, you know, defensively minded uh, midfielders in, in the 4-2-3-1, for me, that was, you know, one of the reasons why you know, basically there was too big a gap between them and the attack. And I think that's why yeah. a lot of it was breaking down. So I'm, I am biased for the 4-3-3. I think it's a, it's a much more stable and a much more attacking formation. But I think, you know, everything that I hear Frank say, and I, and I have to say, I, I'm inclined to agree with, because I, I don't like to be too stuck rigidly to a system. I mean, uh, people who ever listen to the Kerry Dixon podcasts I used to do with the great man would hear him moan at me every week saying, Chidge, it's about players, not systems, he would say. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. I, I have a feeling that Frank will be horses for courses. At least I hope he will be. Because you do have to be adaptable in the Premier League, often in game. I mean, one of the great strengths of Mourinho was that he would change formation three times yeah. in a game, isn't he? So do you think Frank will do the same? He, he might, might start a lot with four-three-three, or maybe sometimes start with three-five-two, depending on who we're playing. I think I think that probably is going to be maybe the default formation in, in bigger games. Um, what three five two? Yeah, I think that he he likes to sort of kind of tend towards that. It gives us a little bit more solidity. I mean, it, it will be interesting because I think if if this four three three continues to develop, because okay, it was Burnley and it was Krasnodar, fair enough. But we looked, I think, uh, so we kind of had a solidity that we haven't had on an Lampard in that game. Um, and if both Habits and Mount can actually drop in and do those defensive duties. James Chilwell or whoever's going to be playing in, in sort of the fullback areas also can do that as well. It might be something that he tries to then sort of start impressing on, on other teams. I do think sometimes that we we maybe give certain teams a little bit too much respect when we play them by shifting to a back five and kind of amending what's been successful. So while I do think the back five is decent, you know, it gets it gets a good players in, keeps us solid, gives us the ability to counter-attack. I would like us to see you know, going to Liverpool or City or whoever, whoever it's going to be and seeing if that 4-3-3 with those players can actually take the game to the, the opposition more. And I also think as well that they, they would have the ability to sit in, Mountain and Havertz could sit in, but then you've got a nice counter-attacking threat. You've got the pace of Werner, Pulisic, etc. Havertz joining the attack. Um, it certainly gives us a lot more opportunities. And you can also go a bit more solid. You could put Kovacic in there, push Havertz up, 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 up top if needs be as well. So there's a lot of permutations there. But I like I like the system because I think it gives us a little bit more flexibility when we're trying to attack the better teams. Yeah. But he has defaulted to that sort of five at the back formation. But I would like to maybe see us be a little bit more adventurous going forward because I think we've got the talent. I think we've got the players to do it this season. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think you know, one, one thing that we have to do is get the best out of that attack. And I like the idea, Tony, you know, that if we've got, um, you know, these great attacking players and, I, and, and I'm going to include Mount and Havertz in that. You know, we were, we've, the last few years we've been lacking goals from midfield, which has been a real problem. I'd like to see us go at some of these big teams and say, look, you know, bollocks to you. You've got to deal with us, you know? I think it's going to happen. <clears throat> I, I genuinely do. I think we saw a very uh, early indication of that in that fantastic game at Stamford Bridge last season that we lost 2-1 to Liverpool. You know, we were, that second half for 35 minutes, we battered them. It was like a wave after wave of attacking and we didn't have half these players then. Um, I think Frank likes that. I think, you know, Frank will always have that attacking instinct inside him. You know, he knows that that's, that's what the fans want to see. He, as a footballer, 
um, and as goal scoring midfielder will want to to to, to be part and parcel of that and, and want to put his mark on the game. He'll have seen what Klopp and his kind of heavy metal football and Guardiola and his his, his sort of like um, football dress art. soft metal. Yeah, yeah, have done. Um, and I think he'll want to he'll he'll want kind of to be held up in the same light. And he's got the right balance of it. The the defence, you can argue, was was too long coming. Um, and, and we'll probably still need some backup uh, to keep it, um, uh, you know, sturdy or whatever. But it's it, it is. JK said it earlier. It's, it's joyous to watch when it's clicking. I mean, even Gary Lineker. I, I mean, I, I I get a bit I get a bit pissed off with people who just sit there thinking, oh, he's a pundit. He doesn't know nothing. You know, because he's, he's ex Spurs or he's ex Arsenal. Well, they played the football. They know their they know their stuff. Um, but Lineker's been. A big fan of Chelsea, and 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 that came across in his post-match interview that he did with Frank that they showed on Match of the Day. Um, you know, sort of two ex-footballers who 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 know their stuff, and and to see Frank answering intelligently and and putting over what he wants to do, and and Gary Lineker kind of praising him, saying, you know, what when you watch Chelsea, it's really good stuff to watch. He That's tweeted good. that I mean, as well. I know, I know the sorry. He tweeted that as well, Lineker. Yeah. He did. He did. I think, you know, that, you know, it's all very well people saying no one likes us, we don't care. Uh, you know, it's quite nice to be liked. It's quite nice for once for people to be looking at us and going, they play some good football. You know, you talked earlier on, or someone mentioned about how we how we were into, into Burnley, not giving them any space. And that's the one thing I think I want to see more of. I've always, you know, ever since pre-Mourinho even, you know, we've, we've always had this tendency to be the team that sits back. Um, and lets people come at us, and it's bloody frustrating when you've got good players to see, you know, that kind of absorption technique going on. And I'm, I'm with who was it? Whoever said, oh, tactics, tactics, fuck it. It's just, you know, it's the players that make the Kerry, time with that. I, yeah, I normally glaze over at the sign of tactics, and 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 I love the fact that people go, oh, he changed formation to this, that, and the other. You know, when I played football, yeah, we lined up. The tactics was when you lined up for kickoff. After that, you basically just knew that you were either the right winger, inside right, or whatever. Just kick the nearest player, mate. That's what, yeah, that's what and I, I just think that you know, I'm, 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 you know, I'm playing football at the moment, albeit walking football or whatever. And to, you know, you you tend to fit into the positions where you where you know you're performing the best or whatever. And, and I like the fact that Frank, he's been, he's been you know, in any other. I think if he'd been a foreign manager, and I, you can pull me up on this, I think he would have been praised for how brave he's been. Yeah, maybe how he's changed things around. Maybe, maybe he would. Instead of which, you get this kind of, "Oh, we tinkers too fucking much." Oh well, I, I, I'm just, I'm igno- I'm, I'm taking um, the great advice of Mark Meehan from the other week. I shall always invoke Mark Meehan at this point. He says, "Chidge, ignore everything you read on Twitter and don't get wound up about it because he's right." Now, Jonathan, you made a really salient point uh, in part one, actually, which I want to bring up again, actually, and that's your concern about. You know, we're only one injury away from Kovacic and Jorginho again. And I think that's a very valid point. You know, this is, you know, I think, I think you know, it's funny, isn't it? We often talk, don't we, about managers. Do they know their best team? And I, and I think we all know what the best team is. And it's it's Mendy, uh, James, Silver, Zuma, Chilwell, Kante, Mount, Havertz, Pulisic, Werner and Ziyech. You know, I think we could all say that now. But if Kante gets injured, it really... I think screws things up royally because I think he's actually in a weird sense the most important cog in that wheel 
and there's nobody else that he can do that job until possibly, possibly Billy Gilmore's fit. But I don't see Jorginho and Kovacic being able to do it like he does. Has, um, I think Kovacic has played there. Not as mobile. Uh, no, but I don't think he's been a disaster player. No, true. I mean, I, I, I listen. I we mean, Jorginho, I think, would be a disaster. Can we have a quick caveat here? I, I, I've yeah. got nothing against Jorginho or Kovacic. I think the, the, what they're really good at, they're very, very good at, and I love them dearly for it, the whole unconditional love thing again, JK. Yeah. But Jorginho cannot do what Kante does in a in a 4-3-3. No, not at all. Of course he can't. Yeah, I'm beginning to worry that all he's good for is playing this long ball over the top to uh, whoever happens to be uh, running onto it, which he's very good at. But he, he's not ticking the boxes in this environment for me at all. He's too slow, um, always commits a foul if necessary. And then if the foul is committed early on, you're then worried he's going to be sent off. Uh, he's, uh, his, his default is appears to be playing the ball backwards, much like Emerson, who made a bizarre appearance again against Krosnodar. I don't know what was going on there. Um, uh, and so I, I'm um, I'm ceasing to find positives for Jorginho within this um, this setup of playing the ball quickly, mm. because he he I don't know if but if if Kante does get injured, perhaps we will find him in the middle there. Perhaps he can do it. But I'm he's not a great tackler. He's not quick enough. Um, uh, all right, decent pass through the ball, can thread the ball through, but that isn't enough in this setup for me, I'm afraid. Mm, indeed. I don't see how Jorginho can, can take part. But if, as we're talking about injuries, for me, Kovacic would be the, the more likely to slot into that. But you would hope that Gilmore would come back in and perhaps play it. But his, he needs to get very fit because his, yeah. when he did bring him back before his injury, he seemed very um, off the pace in comparison with the the brilliant performance we saw against Everton. Well, he's 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 back in training. I do know that. I mean, personally, I think I and I, I you know I wrote an article on it last week. Um, I don't think it's gone up yet because uh, Ollie's been away. Uh, if you're listening, Ollie, today would be a good day to put it up because the Athletic have just put one out saying that Chelsea are going to go back in for Declan Rice in January, and I think they will. I think Lampard, hundred yeah, percent, wants Declan Rice to play in that role longer term and I think I personally think that's a very good that's a very good uh, option for us and I, I think he's a superb player but is that and, in the midfield Chid, you're it, saying just in front in, instead of Kante yeah that, in the Kante role in Kante role so what would happen to Kante well I think you know Kante's a lot older and I think he'll either stay for a, a year or two or they'll they'll cash in on him okay so uh, do you think they'll come are we, we're not going to talk about it are we in, in terms of zuma being replaced by another center half well i i we can save that one for a rainy day i think uh in fact actually what we can do if you want i mean this is a good time to plug it, actually well done jk genius as ever um there's an international break coming up a uh, week after next or monday after next but we will be on air we're going to do another chelsea fancast q and a I've invited all of our usual uh, Chelsea fancasters to come along and join if if they want to. There's no three-line whip. It's voluntary, as always. But we will open the invite out to our Patreon members con- who can join us uh, in the Zoom room. Uh, and, of course, we'll be broadcasting it live on Mixless, so you can all listen to it and ask us questions via the chat room. So there we go. I think it's November the 16th. Um, I'm just going to move this on very quickly. Just because we, we really... Throw in one thing. That was all. Sorry. What, 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 what? I was just going to agree with you. I hope we get Declan Rice. He's been one of my players of the season. Yeah, I, I've got. A, I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Good player. Good player. 
Right. Uh, we ought to very quickly before we we go to part three, just talk about Pulisic. I think because um, I think that talent wise, uh, and I'm based on the fact that I think he had such a good breakthrough season last year. He really started doing the business for us. Bearing in mind, you know, we were mourning the loss of Hazard and what a great player he was. Uh, I kind of think that if he can stay fit, I think Pulisic, you know, has the ability to be our best player this season because he's got a head start on Havertz and Ziyech and Werner and these kind of guys. But that's the caveat, isn't it? Can he stay fit? I mean, he's just been ruled out again, Chidge. Been ruled out for the next few weeks. I, I didn't see that. I didn't see yeah. that. Tell me more. Tell me more. Breaking news just said that that is it's a hamstring again. So it's so, pinged I, again. I, yeah, I think he'll be um, uh, the the break will obviously help him, but somebody's then got to get back to fitness again. So I think we're we're thinking about another month now before he possibly uh, returns. That's a huge blow. Yeah, because I I do think he is absolutely superb when he's fit yeah. but I mean I just wonder if he's I mean you know once you get start getting hammies going you know that's not well, good we're into Robin territory we are we? well and um, Michael Owen is, is not is but the well I think the thing too is not to to immediately presume that that's the end of a career because Robin's father I remember the story um after he'd been sold by Kenyon who thought 12 million was a good deal for Somebody who possibly came one of the best players in the world. Um, yeah. Another another great Chelsea era. Um, his father then made a big thing about trying to get him as fit as possible and cured it. So I always think these things are uh, obviously if he's got some terrible genetic problem or something or something that is is chronic, then uh, yeah, we'd have to rethink. But um, uh, I think it's too early to think in terms of he's got you know a, a glass hammy. I just think they just need to somehow. Work it out. Yeah, Joe. Joe, what do you? What do you? Been, sorry, Tony. Go I think on, mate. Genuinely been unlucky. Yeah. Uh, hamstring, you know, is something you can tweak. Training, uh, stretching. Uh, when the weather's a bit cold, it could be any number of things. It, it, it doesn't tend to be the kind of injury that 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 recurs. And um, and with the medical people that you've got these days, it you know they they they, they, they can pinpoint whether it is and, and what can be done about it. But I. You know, it's just one of those strange ones. You know that when it goes, it it it, it just takes a, a kind of disproportionate amount of time to repair in compared in comparison to um, other areas or whatever. So I think he's just unlucky. I, I think it's too early to go down that, Robin. Well, I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't saying that, you know this is the end of his career. I'm just saying that when you start getting hammy in in you know injuries at yeah, a young age, it, it you're always going to be susceptible to hammy injuries going forward. Well, I, I think you're always going to have that that kind of thing, yeah. Um, and it's about managing it, wasn't it? I mean, this was when uh, wasn't this wasn't that one of the reasons? Was it? I can't remember. Was it? Was it John Barnes was one of the first ones to start playing with cycling shorts, and wasn't it? Because it yeah. trapped heating and this sort of stuff, and um, you know, it, it just helped try and prevent it. You you may have a, a susceptibility to it, but I, I I think in this particular case, it's just bad luck. Yeah. I, I, it's way too early to think of it as a a kind of um, uh, an inherent problem that he's got, um, in, in my view, in my view. Joe, um be interesting to hear what you think about Pulisic. I mean, number one, you know, kind of what I was saying earlier, I think he is arguably our most talented player. But, you know, number one, do you think 
this is going to be a problem going forward, injury wise, and and secondly, you know what? Well, what is? I mean, you know, how's it going to impact us? Actually, I think is what I would ask you. If we if if, yeah. we, if we don't get Pulisic, you know, for if he's coming in and out, you know, during the season, how's that going to impact on us? I think. I mean, touching on the first point, I think there there was sort of a conscious moment with his game where he he seemed to decide to just want to be a lot more decisive. You know, if you think of his sort of performances post lockdown, a lot more, a lot more sort of uh, shooting, a lot more sort of purposeful dribbling. It's kind of like he made sort of a conscious decision to be a kind of slightly more definitive player. And I think certainly probably from January onwards, but but most importantly during that lockdown period, he was by far I think our best player. I think from a talent standpoint, his ability to score and assist and just be an absolute menace, and his his directness I think is something that we we massively miss. Um, in terms of injuries, I mean he's. He's missed 23 games that he could have played since he's been at Chelsea, Whoa. which is a, a big, big number for me. And if you look at someone like Eden Hazard, Hazard in his entire Chelsea career missed 20 games that he could have played um, for injury. So Hazard was here for, what, five, five, six seasons or whatever. The fact that, that Pulisic has missed 23 matches. And the one thing that concerns me is that he's had a lot of different injuries. I had a quick look on, on one of the, the injury websites. He's He's had a problem in his foot arch. He, he missed the game through bruising. He had an abductor tear. He's done his calf. He's done his hamstring. If it was the same thing over and over again, I would be okay. Maybe that's something that we could look at. But the fact that it's a lot of different things is a little bit concerning to me as someone who sort of stopped playing kind of mid, mid-level sort of rugby because of the number of sort of various injuries. Um, I think with him, it's just a question of maybe not being rushed back a little bit too soon. I think Lampard alluded to the fact that maybe they, they rushed him back for the Krasnodar game a little bit. Um, just give him the time to fully recover. I think we've seen it with Kante, where he's been given a little bit more time to sort of recuperate and not be in the team all the time. But he's benefited from that. I think probably the same with Pulisic. And in terms of how that affects us going forward, I think potentially we'll see more of maybe Giroud and Abraham starting down the middle, Werner potentially moving to the left wing, but it also potentially opens up opportunities for Hudson Odoi. Well, I was going to ask you that, actually. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of preempts what I was going to talk about, so let's do it now. Yeah. Uh, is this a real opportunity for Hudson Odoi, do you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, I think it was quite tough for him in the Krasnodar game because I think he he largely did okay, but the, the team clicked with the substitutions and obviously that was when he came off. But he was the difference. Obviously, it was a bit of a scuff shot and went in. But I think largely this season, I think he's, he's got two goals in about 400 minutes, which isn't too bad. Um, but I, I think from from the, the sort of criticisms of Lampard, the, you know, sort of the off-the-ball work, the willingness to make recovery runs... I'm actually seeing a lot more from him off the ball now in terms of that defensively sort of willingness. And I think if he, if he gets a potential run of games in the side, particularly from the left-hand side, I think from the left-hand side, he's a slightly different player than when he plays on the right. Then hopefully he can start to sort of uh, make a little bit of a, a case for himself because when he does play, when he does get opportunities, he does affect the game. I think the West Brom game in particular, when he came on, he was very, very good. Um, I think really sort of impacted that game and helped to sort of secure the draw. But it's difficult when you have guys like Timo Werner, when you have guys like um, Mount, who's obviously been playing ahead of him on the left-hand side as well. I just hope that with the sort of shift in shape, Mount now maybe being more seen as a central midfielder, that uh, Callum gets a little few few more opportunities. I still think, you know, there's a reason that Bayern Munich is still interested in him. I think he's an incredibly talented player. He's adapting his game. He's still learning about becoming a professional footballer. Just needs to be given the opportunity. So I still think that he will have a, a pretty big impact on the season. But as you say, you know, with Pulisic being injured and potentially, you know, maybe being a player that's a little bit injury prone, it does open the door for someone to try and take that spot on the left-hand side. I, I don't think Werner is the best fit out there because he plays more just like a wide striker. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah, which isn't too bad. In, an, in, a... an inside forward. 
Yeah, an old school inside forward. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. um, which which puts a lot of emphasis on someone like Chiwell yeah. to, to, to sort of keep the width, which isn't the worst thing because I think Chiwell's been fantastic going forward. But um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Callum gets a little bit of a run on that left hand side. Well, I, I hope but, so. I was a bit I was a bit disappointed that he, you know, because I thought I went when I heard that Pulisic, you know, a, 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 you know, got injured before the the Burnley match. I thought, oh right. Quickly looked at the bench and saw that Hudson Odoi was on there, and I thought, oh, oh. You know, Hudson and Doyle's going to get a game. Then I saw Werner start, and I thought, hmm. You know, it tells me that Frank hasn't got 100% faith in him yet, JK. Well, can we be honest about this? Which is that I don't think that Adoy has taken his chance. And I. and I He hasn't really I been want... given a huge one yet. Well, even the two chances that he's been in, he's, he doesn't. You know, we all want him to succeed because I agree completely. He's clearly a very talented player. Um, as, you know, and he took. Every time he played in the Europa League team before last, he, you could see you could, taking everybody to the cleaners. He would just beat people and put on lovely crosses and play those little shots, right-footed shots from the left-hand side, which really surprised the keeper. But it's this business of he'll run at somebody and then lay it back, which I just despair of, which is a confidence thing, I think. Which yeah. I, I, th- I think he does... He. You know, he, he, he does little telling things like he put in a lovely cross, nobody's on the end of it. Or indeed the snapshot he got for the goal. He's very lucky because the goalkeeper was clearly, you know, played for the local pub side. And that's why he ended up in the net. But uh, but but I, I, I want him to do more every time because I want him to fulfill the potential that we clearly see in him. And it slightly worries me that he he just I know it's difficult for him. He's coming on as a sub all the time. But you want to see a little bit more going on. You want to see him skin a few people rather than just a constant thing of running at somebody really quickly and you think come on you've got it you can just take them apart they do it and playing it back you just go oh come on mate come on this I, I, I want more from you because we can see you've got we've seen you in the past have the potential and I wonder if this is a confidence thing but this I is not an absolutely perfect opportunity for I'm, him I'm 100% certain it's JK when you look at Eden Hazard who had it did exactly that he had the speed the pace and when he was running a player he knew that that player was probably shitting himself. Well, Pulisic did the same last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, I think you, you're right. I th- absolutely think Adam Adoy. I think he's had a couple of knockbacks. Um, well, he was injured, of course. We mustn't forget that. And of yeah. course, and that was a you know it, it wasn't a nice injury either. Um, I'm not saying there are nice injuries, but that one was a, you know uh, you know 20 years ago would have been career ending probably. And and I just think he just needs that. Do you know? I wonder. I wonder about this. I wonder what Chelsea, as a club, are like with the players' heads because RL rumours off his cheek. I think a lot of his issue before he's gone off to Fulham on on loan or whatever was was up here, and confidence. Mm. And he wasn't. He was. He was strolling around, not strutting around. You know, we watched all watched that game where he was pulled. You know, dragged off. I think in the end, first game of the season, wasn't it? First game of the season. Whatever, it was a complete waste of space that game. Yeah, um, he's been handed an opportunity, he handed two or three opportunities by Frank, didn't take them. And I think Hudson Adoy probably needs a word in his ear. Or you know, do they have a I don't know, Joe, they, they, they do, as far as I'm aware. Like coach there or yeah, I think they do. But Joe, go on, you probably know more <laughs> definitively than me. Yeah, so so part of the, the rehabilitation process, particularly at Chelsea, and I think it's probably reflected a lot of uh, across a lot of Premier League clubs. Um, is is kind of a, a psychologist aspect to it, or some 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 sort of not like a sports therapist, but like a sports psychologist, because it's it's a question of almost uh, you know that, that first challenge, that first tackle, that first that the sort of the mental block of of pulling out of that, which every player does. 
um, and yeah. sort of being able to sort of mentally prepare yourself and sort of mentally overcome that is such a big issue. I think largely, actually, when you, you think back to someone like the N- Matic, that tackle that he had from Ashley Barnes, yeah. that's sort of almost being the kind of the you know the sort of the tipping point of his Chelsea career. He yes. never really mentally recovered from the fact that he almost got his leg snapped in half by someone in a tackle. Then it was always. You know, he still had some good games thereafter, but he wasn't the, the same dominating player that we saw. I think it's the same with Callum. I think there's there's an element of him maybe needing a, a run of games in the side in which at the, now we have so many good players, it's difficult to justify giving someone, you know, the run of games to get up to speed. But also, the I think, you know, you know you're right in terms of the confidence to to take people on, to use, you know, use his wonderful dribbling, use his ability to shoot, use his ability to create. Um you know, I was surprised that in, in many respects he didn't go on loan to build confidence as well, similar to, to Loftus-Cheek. I think some of them, it's, it's a question of game time. But the, the mental side of things, I'm not sure, you know, being young players, having these huge injuries to overcome, if they have built up that resilience, let's say someone like in their mid-20s or whatever would have, you know, they have the experience to fall back on, etc. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you, Joe. Some sensible stuff there. I mean, I personally, I, I, as John, Jonathan was saying, I absolutely hope desperately that, that we see... Hudson Odoi blossom into the player that I believe he can be, and I mean, you know, we saw enough last season to realise what a super talent he is, and it could well be an opportunity. Now, I've got an opportunity for you, lovely people, now, uh, because there are three fantastic Gate Seventeen books available for you to buy to purchase through the internet, uh, and they are, in no particular order, the wonderful uh, Walter Rotten, uh, "Let the Salary Decide." Uh, which is basically um, a book about Walter's experiences of going to the Champions League uh, semi-final, a second leg against Barcelona and the final against Munich in, two th- in 2012. That's available uh, from Amazon and uh, and Gate 17 at 7.95. And uh, then the our mate Chelsea Chadder, he's got a book out, the Ultimate Chelsea Quiz Book, where, where you have 1,905 or 1,905 if you prefer, questions to test your knowledge on the in the blues i've had a look at this i may i i'm pretty good at this i am still the undefeated chelsea supporters trust quiz champion mind you that's because i have martin wickham on my side but other than that i'm still i've still got the trophy i you can probably you, i'm not sure if you boys can quite see if it, it's up there somewhere anyway um yeah but i found it really hard I, I was struggling with these chad you put some doozies in there anyway chad's books available for 6.95 uh, in paperback and available worldwide via amazon and last but not by no means least uh, to my favorite people dj mr at only a pound and neil smith at smithy east stand have got uh, a book called tales of the chelsea unexpected which is 40 amazing chelsea matches against 31 different teams and a series of outcomes scores and subsequent events that nobody could ever have predicted and that is also available worldwide uh, from amazon price eight pounds 95b so there you go get on it people right we are going for a quick break and then we will be back to talk about the Karaznodar and the rene matches das leben kann hektisch sein warum nicht dem alltag entfliehen und in die magische Welt von Evermerge eintauchen. Evermerge ist ein magisches Land, das mit jeder Entdeckung größer und besser wird. Werde ein Merge Master. Baue und sammle einzigartige Gegenstände oder verschönere deine eigene wundersame Welt. Im Land von Evermerge gibt es immer etwas zu tun. Evermerge. Jetzt kostenlos im App Store herunterladen. 9-11. Ibiza-Affäre. Tiger King. Steve McQueen. Jeder kennt die Geschichte. Aber was ist die Story hinter der Story? 
Von Sport über Politik, Gesellschaft, Prominenten bis hin zu Kontroversen aus dem wahren Leben. Der neue Sender Sky Documentaries zeigt die Geschichten dahinter. Mit hochkarätigen Produktionen von HBO und Showtime sowie Sky Originals präsentiert der Sender eine umfangreiche Mischung an Dokumentationen, die fesseln und vor allem unterhalten. Sky Documentaries. Jetzt neu auf Sky. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy. And you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast. I'm Stanford Chidge, and I've got uh, the ever so wonderful, uh, one of our favourite people on the Fancast, uh, Mr. Joe Tweeds, with us. We've got the lovely Reverend Tony Glover, my old mucker from Bonsoir. down the road. And the Cock Tavern, and of course the in, in, indomitable, even if I can say it, the indomitable. Inimitable. Inimitable. That's actually what I was thinking. I was thinking <laughs> inimitable, and it came out indomitable. I don't know why. I like indomitable. It means I can't, I can't be quelled, doesn't it, really? Yes. That's what it means. But I also say, going back to what we said before. J.K. Cowling. I, and you see, J.K. Cowling. I actually thought of that. Yeah, something to do with putting over, over cars, isn't it? A cowling. But also, J.K. Gowling. Because Alan Gowling played for Manchester United and Bolton. Mm. Mm. Yeah, we got that. Yeah, hello everybody. Thanks, lovely to be on the show. Thank Good you. to see you. Elder, you are. You become J.K. Jowling. Oh, oh very good. Work. All right, we've got much to discuss. Let's get on with it. Um, before, well, while I while I pour my Guinness, of course, which is the most important thing of the evening. But um, you know, a quick look back to the Krasnodar game because obviously we we did talk about it uh, on Friday night. Um, I think for me, the interesting thing about this, and I, and I kind of hope, I hope that this is this is going to pan out. I, I kind of, I'll be honest with you, I suspect it won't. But the last time, uh, you know, we saw Chelsea do something I think so significant in a tactical kind of sense, uh, you know, because basically Frank changed it to four three three, and it all clicked, and we looked a much better side, and it kind of dealt with a lot of the issues that um, you know that we feel that we've been having. Last time I saw that was because uh, it was I was there actually the Arsenal game where we got absolutely humped three uh, nil in in the first half and we were dreadful. Even Kante looked crap because we were so exposed by the four four two, and then Conte changed it three five two, and then we went on a thirteen match unbeaten run, played some of the best football I've seen us play for years, uh, and then we we kind of staggered over the line, didn't we? Really in that title winning season, but win the title we did nevertheless. So, Joe, I wonder if, I wonder if you know Frank going to the you know four three three at half time against Krasnodar that we'll be looking back at the end of the season saying, ah, that was the moment it all changed. Bisto. <laughs> ah, <Yeah>. Bisto. <laughs> I think so. Um, I think sometimes, certainly in football, you know, people love to overcomplicate really what's happening in front of them. You know, sort of these fifteen thousand words sort of dissertation length articles on a formation change. I think that the fact that it was such a, an obvious positive difference and it was so tangible and, and really just completely and utterly sort of you know, transformative in terms of how we, we played that last 20 minutes, it was almost like a completely different different team that had sort of you know been switched on that you would have to say looking at that performance and then obviously following that up with 
maybe maybe the most complete or one of the most complete performances that Lampard has, has had as a Chelsea manager against Burnley, albeit with the caveat that it is Burnley, that having those kind of back-to-back moments could be certainly a catalyst to, to using this formation going forward. I think, you know, what we've, what we've alluded to earlier, that it, it gets the best players on the pitch, it puts them in their best positions, it gives, it sort of brings balance to the team, we have structure, you know, when we're losing the ball, when we're turning it over, we have people being able to defend it, we are attacking in a bit more of a fluid fashion. All of the positive things that you want to see in a football match sort of happened after the back of the, the change of system. So, you know, you would have to hope certainly going forward that Lampard quite clearly has, has acknowledged that and, and tries to, where possible, injury permitting, form permitting, all the usual things that we, we evaluate, we'll try and pick a, a team that can can play that style of football as, as close to, you know, what we've seen in those those two games as, as possible. Do, Joe, do you, do you see a future for, for Jorginho going forward? Well, I mean, I think the fact that the club were desperate to sell him in the summer probably suggests no. Um, the links to Declan Rice persist. And I think that profile of player, it's so opposite to, to Jorginho. It's completely polarised in terms of the style of play. I think that there is a a want for almost like a John Obi Mikel, Makaleli type who will just sit, destroy, distribute the ball, you know, obviously be able to, to play. Um, but the links to, Den- um, to, to Declan Rice... There were some links to a Swiss player, Dennis Sicario, who was very much similar in that kind of mould. You know, a physical kind of destructive player who's good on good at passing and breaking up, but disciplined. I think that that, that kind of style of play and, and the physicality and the discipline are things that Jorginho just doesn't have. And they're not things you can learn. You know, I think that one of the key things I noticed in the Burnley game was I think Kante had sort of pushed up, was a little bit out of position, but he was quick enough to make the tactical foul, to stop the counter-attack. Whereas we see Jorginho maybe gets played around and then they're straight out of back four. So even even the really sort of minor things in terms of being able to actually get near someone to kick them is is such a basic component. So I'm not sure really if there is a if there's a way back. You know, as I said, he probably was looking to be sold in the in the summer. They couldn't find a buyer. One of the reasons why they probably didn't end up getting Declan Rice was because they couldn't offload him. Um, and I think really now, if you look at the sort of the juxtaposition between the two performances, um, you know, with and without Jorginho Kovacic or whatever, and, and then the sort of Kante Mount kind of replacement. Um, I, I struggle to see a, a way where he's he's anything other than just someone who feels it at the end of games. Um, and you know, I think Jonathan made the point earlier that if I think if Chelsea have to rely on him as the lone holding player for a long stretch of games, then we're going to be back sort of at square one in terms of having the the sort of the the back four exposed quite continuously, maybe not moving the ball quick enough. Um, yeah, so I, I struggle to see a position where he comes back into into the fray. By all accounts, he's a fantastic professional. He's fantastic with the younger players. He's incredibly good, well liked around the ground. But as a player, I think I don't think Chelsea really progressed with him if he is a starter in the team for the for the foreseeable future. That's a very very fair point, Joe. JK, you know, it doesn't fit the the current philosophy. What I loved about um, the Krasnodar game was that. Um, Excuse me. We were absolutely dire in the first half, and a part of it was down to Rudiger and Zuma. T- totally into, right. Totally right. Bonking the ball around to each other and then passing it back, which you know provides no enthusiasm for um, uh, no impetus, and uh, and yet Frank changed it. So anybody who tries to make out that he is tactically unaware are just completely ridiculous, because he clearly knows exactly what he was. He knew what he was doing. He changed it around and uh, and and altered it and and the very fact that he's then seen the the how excellent it was and then just replicated that in the uh, uh, in the Burnley game is is you know hats off to him but it makes sense he's a he, he he's a, a thinking he's a thinking manager well, he, and he, uh, you know I remember last season J K 
This is a this is the uh, neophyte manager. I thought you'd like that one. Uh, who uh, you're looking confused? You know what that means? No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a pun. If I can make a reference to um, 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 the uh, what's the film with Keanu Reeves in? Uh, to the um, uh, um, oh God, it's completely gone. Johnny Mnemonic. Mnemonic. I can't even say it. Anyway, I'll move on while you're thinking of that. Um, I can't remember what we we're going to say now. So, oh, I know. Yes, the, the, you know, Frank, inexperienced, tactically unaware, you know, yep. naive yep. manager, blah blah blah. But last season, he he was, uh, you know, um, Jose Mourinho didn't beat Chelsea at all. In fact, he beat Spurs twice. Jose Mourinho, one of the best managers in the game, won everything in the game, and uh, he did he did pretty well against Pep or Poop Guardiola. Uh, and he did pretty well against Klopp. He beat, he knocked Liverpool out of the uh, the FA Cup. So you know you can't do that unless you know what you're doing tactically. And he and he also made some really interesting tactical changes. I felt last year that enabled us to win. Okay, he's going to get it wrong sometimes. Somebody's going to be somebody's going to out tactic him occasionally. It happens. But I don't think there's any worries on that score. I just want to return to what you were saying about. Uh, Rudiger and Zuma. I completely agree, mate. I, I I think you know going back to my slight moan about Zuma not being a natural footballer. I would actually say the same about Rudiger. They look very similar when they play together, yeah. you know, basically taking five minutes to think about whether they can actually pass the ball five yards. They just don't have the uh, neither of them, and particularly even worse, together, I don't think have the footballing ability to make us look secure at the back. And I thought thank God for Mendy. I mean he, it, was, it, was, it was the Krasnodar game where he poured one away like a like a big lion. It was wonderful. He just kind of big mitt on it and he poured it away. You know, so I have you right there, JK. You know, that they, they don't fill me with a lot of confidence when it's Rudiger and Zuma. But when Silver play Silver plays with Zuma, I think he makes Zuma a better player. Indeed. But what, what once again with a Tomori. Well, God mate, I know. I mean maybe Joe knows something about this, but I, I, I think that Tomori has the potential to be our best bloody defender. I'd love to know yeah. what's going on with that. Joe, have you got any juice on that? I mean, it, it's it's a tricky one because th- there was certainly some whispers around sort of training performances, sort of the turn of the year. Um, I mean, I think with Tamori that the the upside you know that he brings in terms of his his pure athleticism and his aggression, I think having someone like him with with Silver would have been an interesting combination because for all of you know, maybe Tamori has some some thoughts in terms of his, his distribution and things of that nature. You can make the very, very same point against Kurt Zeeman when you can make it against Antonio Rudiger as well. I mean, the, the one the one academy player that would be interesting for me in the future, sort of just moving on from, from Tamori a little bit, would be Mark Gerhi at Swansea. Yes, He's been absolutely astonishingly good this season and has, I think, all of the physical skill set that someone like Tamori has, but he's excellent on the ball. So I think he's someone to, to potentially keep an eye on in the future. But I, I agree with, with the Tomori point. I still think back to the Liverpool game where I think Mohamed Salah was sort of sprinting down the, the sideline and Tomori almost like jogged and caught up with him, which I yeah. hadn't seen before. So having that level of, of pace in the team, I still think he's still pretty decent on the ball as well. Yeah. But I mean, there, there must be something that has gone on potentially to to kind of, you know, sort of negate his, his effect in the team. Because he was another player who was quite close to leaving on loan in the, in the summer that didn't quite sort of make it out of the door as well. Yeah. And yet last season, Frank Frank made a very big point at the beginning of last season in his first few games where we had Tamori and Zuma because everyone else was injured. Yeah. And they were, they looked like a good solid pairing. Yeah, I agree. You know, they, they, they did very little wrong or whatever. 
And he made some big points about, you know, Fikayo Tamori was going to be a big player for Chelsea. He did it with Reese James as well. He had the PR stuff going well. Uh, and, and that's why I'm I, I'm like everyone else. I'm a bit bemused by it. Because yeah. Yeah. I never saw Tamori make any real howlers. To be fair, I don't think on their own, like, you know, we, we've had this lack of understanding at the back, maybe, that Silver can come in and, you know, you know, for me, silver has to be a, a, a kind of plaster over this while, whilst everything gets worked on in the back and, and whilst we build something. Might get another year out of him if we're lucky, I reckon. Precisely. Precisely. He's not one for the future, but the experience is invaluable. Jackie Blanchflower played for Arsenal well into his 40s. When was that? 1903 or something? In 1952-53, yeah. I think. Yes. I, I, just, I just really want Tamori, you know, and, and I mean, we, we'd heard, I think, you know, from even pre pre covid that there were uh there'd been some differences of opinion on the training ground and, and a bit of an attitude problem or you know a bit of a big time billy attitude from girls me. girls i heard it was about yes girls and I, yeah. I, I mean look young young men with lots of money are going to go out and shag around but but tony tony the, the other thing a bit more open about it That's the, the other know. thing about tamori though and i and i've heard the same thing he had he was dating some some girl off love island wasn't he and that kind of thing yeah. so yeah. it's the whole celeb type thing but here's the thing tamori is a highly intelligent lad yes he is he's studying for a he's either got a degree or he's studying for a degree this is not yeah. Some you know kid out of the gutter who's like yeah. suddenly spunking all of his money up the wall, literally and metaphorically. This yeah. is a bright young man. This is what I don't understand. Making yeah. intellectual choice to shag. Yeah, well, that's always an intellectual like, choice for some of us, J.K. Kind of hope that maybe it's just young man phase, you know, um, sowing some wild oats or whatever, and that oh. actually someone somewhere will will be having a, a word in his shell like that will eventually get through and say, listen. You've got all of this, and and to be fair, that is Frank's job. It's just very odd that you know it's, it's interesting that he's come up, and we've had this same thing with, with Joe saying, you know, what he said, and and us saying, well, Alden, it, we, we looked at the the fact that Frank put a lot of stuff. He bought him back from Derby. When let's be fair, but quite a, lot, year. quite a lot of us had never heard of him. I didn't even know he was a Chelsea player until he came back to Chelsea. You know, and 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 and, and but what I've seen of him. And the athleticism, I think, is a, is, a, is a very key point. You know, so maybe, yeah, maybe that maybe they're keeping their powder dry. Let's, let's hope so. Can they get Gehi back from uh, from Swansea? Is he on there for a year, Joe? Do you know? I think from from memory, there was a there's a recall option if he doesn't play a certain percentage of like available minutes or something like that. Right. But at the moment, he's he's starting every single week. So and I also think it would be be tricky to bring him back at the moment just because he's playing so well that you want to you yeah. want to let him build on the whole adult football thing. Yeah, I've got you. Yeah. All very mysterious. I desperately, again, you know, he's one of these youngsters. I, de- I mean, you know, this this is the thing, you know, we, we, it's a bit like we've been, you know, uh, kind of teased a little bit, you know, flirted with. We've seen all these youngsters come through last year. So, you know, I mean, I know Joe, Joe is a real expert on the youth and watches a lot of the youth football, unlike me. I'm a bit of a glory hunter when it comes to the youth. I tend to turn up to the semi-final or the final when we used to be able to go and that would be about it. But we saw all of the, a lot of them break through last year. So we've seen how good they are. And we've seen how good a lot of them are becoming, you know, with, with experience in the Premier League. So to, to see, I mean, I thought Tomori, when he played for us last year, was, was superb a lot of the time. Scored some great goals as well. 
You know, you think, well, yeah, push on, mate. You know, push on. And and then suddenly nothing. And it's very frustrating. I desperately want to see him succeed. Um, I also desperately want to see Chelsea succeed to succeed on Wednesday night against Renna, Jonathan. Oh, thank you very much. Renna. Renna. Uh, yeah, very good. Renna. And they're um, Bretons, aren't they? Um, well, they would be being in Rennes. Yeah, they, they they speak Cornish. They do. They do. Well, they, they do. speak French with, with a Cornish accent. That's right. Do they like pasties and cluttered cream? Jamely, Jamely pasty, Jamely pasty, Jamely pasty, a la bière, a la cidre, oui, la cidre, la cidre, oui, la bière, a douce, sweet Bretons, Bretons, mate. So. We, yeah. yeah, I mean, Next. shall I tell you a little bit about Ren, other than the fact they like, like pasties like and cluttered cream? Could, could, yeah, because yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm an ignoramus, not having watched. Well, them I, I'm, I'm, I have to be very careful how I say what I say now, because knowing Joe, he probably knows everything about them and has watched them for the last three seasons. But hey ho, uh, what I found out on Wikipedia today? No, no, I didn't go to Wikipedia. But they're they're currently third in the uh, in league earn. Uh, uh, they've won two, drawn two, and lost one, so fairly mixed. In the Champions League, they've been singularly unimpressive, I have to say. Well, I don't know. It's an interesting one. The 1-1 draw at home uh, against Krasnodar, I think, would have been disappointing for Wren. Uh, and if they were unluck- they were lucky to, to not lose that game. Uh, they, they lost 1-0 away to Sevilla. Now, I actually thought Sevilla were a handy side. So, only losing 1-0 to Sevilla, you could say, well, that was probably quite a good good effort although I didn't see it so I don't know I mean the bottom line is it's their debut in the Champions League that they've never really done much um you know they've they've kind of I think they've won the 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 f the French FA Cup a few times but they've never really got this is the best they've ever done in the in the league uh to qualify for the Champions League um you know they produced a couple of good players occasionally but the Sylvain Wiltord uh Usa Dembele is another one but you know this is a team this is a team we should be beating tomorrow night at home, Tony. I, I agree. Let's face it. If you're in a French football team, you're in a league of everybody but PSG at the moment, aren't you? Mm. Right. Everyone else is just playing for whatever spots are available below PSG with all the money they got to chuck around. I mean, even um, you know, even seasoned French teams like Monaco and that don't seem to have the pockets that well. Let's face it. Who has got the pockets? I mean, even City might struggle to keep up with PSG in terms of depth of pocket. Um, and so you're always, you're in danger of thinking that you're playing a team that actually probably would struggle in in the first in, in the championship, um, or would you know would be a contender in the championship and, and wouldn't last ten minutes in the in the prem. Um, but I think that's a slightly dangerous attitude. We should beat them, um, but. Do you know what the the, the the biggest fear for me is, Chish? The unknown. Because this is one of these teams that, you know, well, you, you either thought, show too much You would have thought Mendy will know a lot about them. Yeah, you, you, you either, yeah, exactly. You either show too much respect and, uh, and, uh, and, and don't play to your full potential, or you don't show them enough respect and you get bitten on the arse. And um, uh, as much as I... As much as I like to think we breeze through it, um, you know, we are Chelsea and, you know, we can make a mountain out of the, the, the smallest frigging molehill that, that you can ever find. Um, you know, on paper, I think we should win. Um, in reality, no fans. Um, I don't know. I, I think it'll... I, do you know, all of these early Champions League games 
Uh, well, I know Krasnodar was, 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 I thought that the whole game was good. I'm not quite as, as downbeat about the first half as everybody else, but um, I, I, they're not, they're not exciting, are they? They are, they're, they're not about the performance, are they? They're about the result. So I'm expecting at best, you know, a, a, a shitty one nil, really. Yeah, well, you know, and ultimately, look, you know, it's all so about that's obviously. Yeah, but it, it, yeah, it's all about getting through, isn't it? You know, al- yes. always, always is, always is. Um, I think there's some interesting team uh, selection issues, really, for this one, J.K. I mean, you know, one of the things that's that's peculiar to this season uh, is the, you know, the rapidity of the matches uh, that we're, you know. That we're having to play. I mean, two big matches. I mean, I know this happens a lot towards the end of the season, but from the get-go to be playing, it's a bit like playing in the championship in a way. You know, two games a week with very little pre-season. It's tough on the players. It really, really is, and it's also tough on the training ground because they don't have a lot of time to work things out. So I think that makes me inclined to think that, um, you know, that we're likely to rotate a little bit. We know Pulisic won't be playing. J.K. I would like to see Silver start, but I wonder if he will. I wonder as well. I wonder as well. Um, um, I absolutely would love us to play four three three still, but of course that means you've got to play Kante, Mount, and Havertz. And I wonder if he might want to. I mean, you see, it's a really. I, I don't think he'll try and rest them. I think I think he'll give Zayac a game just because he hasn't been playing very much. Um, uh, it's a question of whether he gives Giroud a go, um, who I thought looked fine when he came on at the weekend, scored. It- a- he did a good, I agree exactly. Good, very, good yeah. goal. Good yeah. goal. Unfortunately, he was just, his foot was offside. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm 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 such a big fan of Giroud. I just yeah, um, um uh, you know I, I he's I feel it unfortunate that he's not as mobile, so he doesn't figure. And I thought, as I said, I thought Abraham was excellent. Um, set up a uh, set up Zayac's goal and just looked really fluid in a way fitted in. He fits in very well to quick passing Abraham. Mm-hmm. If the goal gets a bit too laborious, it, he's slightly off the pace, doesn't run. I thought he was he was running very well as well. I was I was just impressed. I thought he's yeah he's he's which is considering they're not getting much time to train. I think they've 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 done well in certain areas. But it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because I, if I personally think if he was to play four three three and play the same team that played at the weekend, we'd beat them four or five nil because I think they're they're poor and uh, as Krasnodar are poor. I think we're in we're in we're in um, Europa League territory here. But if he has to make changes, uh, I suspect that he might start off with a weaker side and just see how it goes, and then bring the bring the stars in again as it goes on. Bring the quicker players in, and we might then take them to the cleaners again. I don't think we're going to lose. Yeah. I just think think it's dependent on once again the the initial uh, um, the uh, the components of the side early on. Um, but because I, I think he may give Dave a go uh, um, and. Rest James. James. And um, um, I don't know whether Chilwell becomes somebody who he thinks needs a rest because Chilwell has looked looked unbelievably energetic in every game. Or whether well, he's you then also play. coming back from an injury too. So Yeah, yeah. So whether you play, I think Alonso pissed to have gone down the pecking order. Yeah, the well, no, no, no. Hang on, though. No. He, 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 he was banned for three games from oh, the Champions League. Of course he League. was. Yeah. Is he still banned for tonight? No, he he, I think he's, 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 I think he'll, he'll, he's able to play again because he, 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 he missed the last game against Bayern. Of course, uh, we played uh, Krasnodar and Sevilla, so that would be yeah, his three-game yeah, ban done. So he, he might get in. He yeah. might get in. Um, uh, but I think I think it'll be a. Um, I think Conte might get a game just for holding it together. I just depending whether 
well, it's, it's just slightly worrying whether Kovacic and, and Jorginho get on. I don't know. I, I With all these things, it's dependent on who he plays. You know, the reason that I prophesied that we'd win 3-0, three, three I, said, I said, rather than 4-0, because I presumed that he would maintain yeah, but the 4-3-3. I... Three, three. But, you know, I, I, I fear that if he doesn't maintain 4-3-3 three, three, or he doesn't play the same players as we were talking about, um, it's tricky for them to maintain the impetus. So I think he'll... He'll play a weakened side, but put them all on the bench. And if things don't go well, he'll slow, slowly but surely well, bring them on. It, bring it's on. interesting. I, I think that um, I think what Frank is having to do is he's having to assess it, you know, because that, as I said, they don't have as much time training as they normally would. Uh, you know, they're playing two games a week. So I think he's really seeing who's who's blown out their ass at the moment. And if if you look a little bit like you are, then you get benched. I think I think that's. And also managing people coming back from injury. I think he's got quite a hard job on his hands, actually, at the moment. Um, having said that, I do think it's important, uh, as we all know, we've been in and around the Champions League for long enough. You know, you need to get the job done in the first half. So as what I mean by that is the first three, four games, you want to really kind of basically get yourself qualified by then because that's when you can start tinkering around and fanning about because you're basically going to qualify. What you don't want is to scratch around for the first three or four games and then having to really pull out all the stops to qualify in the last couple of matches. Uh, but there you go. Joe, I'm, I, I'd be interested to hear what you think all about all of that. I mean, you know, Ren are not a bad side per se. I mean, they, they're a couple of interesting transfers. They've got uh, Enrique Delbert from Inter, and they've got uh, Daniel Rugani from Juventus in over the summer. But how can you not love a team who've got a player called Brandon Soppy? <laughs> it's very true. Very, very true. Um, I mean, I think maybe one of the only things to, to really point out, to add to what other people have said, uh, they have a, a guy in midfield called Eduardo Camavinga, who is, by anyone who really kind of watches youth football, has any passing interest in French football, he's being sort of touted as sort of the next... Mbappe level kind of talent. He's a guy that I would absolutely love Chelsea to, to go and buy. He's being linked with Real Madrid, etc. Um, I think he's a number 10. He plays as sort of a box-to-box midfielder, has played as a defensive midfielder. I think he's about 17, 18, very, very young player. So I'm interested to see how he fares against Chelsea. Um, and in terms of, sort of Ren, yeah, I mean, their they're sort of main real way of attacking is they like to play on the counter and they're pretty good at set pieces. So depending on which uh, which sort of Chelsea personnel were picked, that can either work for us or against us. You know, if we have uh, this, the sort of the, 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 the Jovicic kind of midfield pivot plays, then being counted is, is quite a big possibility. That's how uh, Ren seem to score a lot of their goals. Um, and if Kepa is given a run out, I'm not sure what he would be, but let's just say he is. Is his, sho- is his shoulder still uh, causing him jit? Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's cruel. Um, but but from, from set pieces, I mean, I think Silva has, has kind of... I think almost surprisingly, considering he's this sort of very cultured centre half, he's actually amazing in the air, and he quite likes sort of kind of getting amongst it. So, I think the, the defensive set pieces and just just watching how they counter attack that, that's really my only big concerns. But for for anyone who's sort of interested, the the Kamavinga guy is is certainly a player that I think is is very talented, and, and maybe again maybe one to, to watch in a match. Well, indeed, I mean they you know Stephen and Zonzi is another player we might have uh, heard of before. Um, and it, it, it's Brandon Soppy. So, uh, obviously, a nod to London is Blue podcast there, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's probably figured that out, dear old Brandon. And I know they listen, so I hope you're all well, boys. Uh, you, are, you are a professional outfit to our 
bunch of drunken amateurs, mate, but uh, love you as we do. They've got some other interesting... I, I noticed another... Here we go. They've got a forward called Martin Terrier. I bet he's a bit of a terrier. <laughs> yeah, OK. I'll keep them coming. No, no, I think that's it. It's going to be really interesting. It always is. Uh, I, I think, you know, for me, what what is dare I say it, quite novel, really. I mean, we had all these years where we kind of, a bit like the league, we knew what to expect from the Champions League, in a sense. And actually, we kind of knew what to expect in recent years, too, where we would flatter to deceive and then get booted out in the round of 16. We're on a lovely journey at the moment because we're on a journey with Frank as he negotiates his way through the Champions League to see if we can get better. It's almost like a reset going back to the late 90s when we first started getting in there to see what it's like but of course fundamentally very different because you know in the late 90s we had very experienced players a lot of European players this time we've got a lot of these young English kids and I think it's I'm enjoying it for the novelty of it you know I mean I don't expect us to win it you know when Raymond Roman came in we all knew that was the holy grail we expected to win it sooner or later and we did and you know that was different I don't expect to win now it's just I think it's just really it's quite it's an interesting distraction for me, but don't you moment. love the trajectory, Chidge? Trajectory, yeah, the trajectory, trajectory? of the way. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry, the way that <laughs> I have had a Guinness or two, so <laughs> I mean, <you> know. <laughs> no, no, the fact that it's improving, yes, I do, and we're seeing it improve, and it's uh, it's giving the lie to the idiocy of someone like uh, um, Gary Neville saying at the beginning of the season after two games, well, I can't see it myself, can't see them doing it, that's dreadful, they're dreadful. You know, that's it. They spent all this money, and they're, oh, that's dreadful. Oh, Not analysing exactly the idiocy of making that kind of remark. But it's that's why we're so attached to it, is because we we, we see the progress that they're making, and, and it's it's gradual, and we're, we're, we're interlaced with that emotionally, because we want them all to do so well, and we see what Frank... And also, I think that is aided by, of course, Frank being the boss. I think that's what that really helps us, is that he is... Uh, He's such a um, uh, um, a believable, lovable um, figure, player, brilliant player for us. We want him to do well. We want the team to do well. We've, Roman has invested in this in these six excellent players, and we want uh, and there may be more. And we want um, Frank to to hoist them to success along with it, so he has his own success from it. Being a a completely new manager, being never having done it, we want him to succeed as he did as a player. And we want them to succeed. So it's a it's a really excellent journey for us. Right, nearly colours to the mask. Did you say three one? Who was that? You. Me, no, 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 four nil. Four nil, four nil to JK. Tony? One you, nil. Said, you said one nil. Joe? Uh two nil. Uh yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna go three nil. I'll split the difference. If Mendy starts, three nil. Okay, yes, so there you go. dependent once again on the team he plays. This I is think, the trouble, yeah. Teams. This is the yeah. trouble. But I'm going to go three nil. I mean, if, if if you know, if 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 Mendy starts, I think you know, I I such a good keeper. Anyway, right. Um, we're going to go for another break in a second. Then when we come back, we've got loads of emails to uh, read out, and then we're going to wrap up. So quick fire round of emails. Before we do a little bit of charity promotion, I like a bit <laughs> of charity yeah. promotion for yeah. our lovely dear dear friend Alex. Not not charity for Alex. She doesn't need any charity. Uh, but she does a brilliant job every Christmas by raising lots of money uh, to buy toys for kids who have been, uh, in, you know, basically involved in families that have suffered domestic violence, which is a very terrible thing. 
uh, kids do not deserve uh, the consequences of that. And she basically goes around, raises loads of money, gets them all Christmas presents so that at least they have a, a present for Christmas, which is a lovely idea. I would love to give you the Facebook link. She only ever, Kimwell puts it on Facebook, which a lot of people don't do, and the links are impossible to read out. What I suggest you do, if you follow her on Twitter, at CFCGWLB, uh, just you know, send her a message or tweet her and say, how do I, how do I donate to your domestic violence uh, child victim present fund? And she will tell you, alternatively, just go to, if you are on Facebook, just kind of put in the search domestic violence child victim present fund and then do, do some good uh, for some very, very hardly done by kids this Christmas. And, uh, and uh, also contribute to Alex not ragging me on WhatsApp, uh, consequently saying, <laughs> get on it, Chidge, you lazy sod. But she'd be quite right. Right, we'll be back in a sec. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. Uh, this is the Chelsea Fancast with me and Joe Tweed and Jonathan Kidd and Tony Glover and a lovely, cool pint of Guinness that's come out from my my bit my new beer fridge, Tony, which is uh, a, a thing of wonder. It's on my list of things. On my in my office, I can even reach it from my chair. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, I've got one. It's in the utility room, which means I've got to get up and walk. Yeah, I don't. I don't even. Yes, yeah. that's. that's you know that's just not good. It's not, like not like minority, minority report, but better. I don't have to move <laughs> to go and get my beer. So there we go. Right, it's now time for our emails. We have loads, loads this week. Um, I mean, if if Dean's listening, if this isn't the email of the week, uh, you're fired, Dean. It's that simple. Uh, Jonathan, you've got the first one from a very dear old friend of ours, James Copper, who we've James known. Copper. We've known dear James. Bitch. We've known James since we started this show. He's a lovely, lovely lad. James Coppert. Dear Chidge, Johnny the Kid. I love it. It makes me feel like some kind of 1950s Soho crook. Johnny the Kid and the fancast posse. Let me begin, as always, this is beautifully written, by the way, with an incredible amount of gratitude for the time and effort you put into providing the, this immense... I've read that really badly. Let me begin, as always, with an incredible amount of gratitude for the time and effort you put into providing this immense platform. I will continue to say it. It means the world to me and so many others. Thank you so much, James. It's lovely. No matter what's going on outside, when the show arrives, it's a familiar anchor of Chelsea community within our week. In times like this, where we're often confined inside our four walls, it allows us to still feel connected to our tribe. And thank goodness that at the moment, I've never felt such a sense of anomie as, how I in, as to how I interpret what is happening on field to what the media and social media are reporting. I'm bewildered and mystified and beginning to question, is it actually I? Whom is wrong? He said, whom? James, I love you. Whom is wrong? I sense a huge loss of perspective in the job Lampard is doing. To illustrate why, let me try and word the raw reality of this situation. I want you to think back to last season where we needed a new manager. At the same time as needing said manager, we were also in desperate need of new players, losing many to end of contracts, older age brackets, or simply a sense 
that they're just not quite good enough. Despite these momentous issues, we also had a transfer ban in place. As such, purchasing the new players we so desperately needed was not a possibility. And we also lost one of the world's greatest footballers who could win games on his own. Therefore, we were going to have to use academy players. Academy players with little or no starts for the club or even having any Premier League experience whatsoever. This is a very difficult prospect for even the world's greatest manager to step into, taking a very brave one at that, to even consider such a task, a task which has the potential to destroy a career if they got it wrong. Now, for the purpose of illustration, if the listener can, just for a moment, suspend the fact this is Frank Lampard who took on this momentous task and instead imagine some faceless manager, I will try and explain my point. If I had approached any Chelsea supporter before last season and said, how about getting a young, inexperienced manager in, a manager with one year's management experience who's never even managed in the Premier League, but got their championship team to six. Let's get this guy into manage Chelsea in this season where we have a transfer ban, etc. I would Eden hazard a guess that if anyone was honest, they would expect this one year experienced championship manager to be in a relegation battle or worse. Even with the best manager in the world coming into a club, losing their star player with a transfer ban and squad full of inexperienced academy players, etc., etc., I would expect them to reach mid-table and even then think they'd done a fairly decent job in getting there. Why then did we hold so much expectation and hope for much more than this? It's because this manager wasn't a faceless manager. This manager was Frank Lampard. On paper, statistically, our greatest ever player without argument. A player who's had the lion badge engraved onto their heart. They wore the badge there that many times. A player whom even amongst our most bitter enemies holds absolute respect as a player and as a man. This manager is Frank Lampard, a winner and a champion, back in the home where he was a winner and a champion. That name alone took us from the belief that a completely inexperienced manager would have a fighting relegation. Instead, believing he could take a team with academy players and qualify for the Champions League, belonging to the biggest clubs in the world. It was one of the enormous and most unlikely of incredible feats, which in my eyes rivals Leicester, winning the league. Despite this, even amongst the most loyal of Chelsea supporters, the man didn't get the credit he deserved. Precisely because he was winning and succeeding, we just expected him to continue doing so instead of looking at the situation holistically. Frank achieved the unachievable and finished fourth. Now, you can't just sit on your laurels in football. You're judged by your last game. And even by these standards, should we read most of the junk written by journalists and so-called supporters, you would think we're bottom of the table and all hope is lost. We just went to Manchester United, arguably the biggest football club in the world, and kept a clean sheet, earning a point from a defence that previously needed to improve. Without important blocks from silver and world-class saves from Mendy, we may not have got that clean sheet or the point. Two players Frank brought in to resolve the issues which caused us to lose previous games. That 
is progress. That is looking at what isn't working, finding a solution and putting it to practice. It is what a good manager does. In fact, had the referee and VAR done its job properly, it would be unlikely Jorginho misses his penalty. We would have earned and it's a game one. Three points. I got the impression that the, let's call them fans, not supporters, would have preferred us to play all-out attacking, exciting football and score a few goals, but lose by a few more and had no points instead. Let us remember, this is also a new squad with many new players. All you have to do is look, at, look to the likes of Tottenham after Bale's exit and QPR to see that splashing the cash and getting a load of new players together with no chemistry from game time and expect them to hit the ground running and win doesn't work. Unless you have a strong, solid leader at the helm to make that difference in gluing it all together. I wrote an article last season when we appointed Lampard and in it I predicted we would finish 10th in the league due to the boat we were sailing in. I think we all did, didn't we, Chidge? Mm -hmm. I would have been happy with that as long as the following season I saw progression. Instead, I saw Champions League qualification in Frank Lampard's second season as a professional manager and thank my lucky stars, Roman took a gamble on him. We had no pre-season. We have a bunch of new players finding their feet, finding their new league and finding out how their teammates play. And it all seems to be beginning to work. We are not losing now. We are growing in confidence and I can see the upward climb start to happen. Why the fuck then do I keep reading that Lampard's in trouble? Have I entered the twilight zone or is my club just supported by fickle, self-entitled, spoilt little shits with no sense of loyalty? Who believe, whom, I'm sorry, believe the crap peddled by clickbait news articles? Maybe it's me that just hasn't has a clue and all of them are actually right. Hope we can get back in the stadium soon, just so I can sing Frank's name in thanks and honour for the job he's doing, as well as watch this team find their feet and become one of the greatest sides in Chelsea's history, just as their manager was. I think Frank has shown he's someone to be believed in and celebrated. We should be praising the ground he walks on, not sniping him on social media. If he can get us qualifying for Champions League in last season's dire situation, what can he do when he's given time to embed his philosophy and create the Lampard era of Chelsea FC? I feel extremely excited and wouldn't swap the man with any other manager I could think of in any league in the world. This isn't a mercenary. This is someone who keeps the blue flag flying high, just like us. So please, people, like Chidge says, ignore the journalists gaslighting you and look at this situation holistically, because if you do, you start to feel very lucky indeed. Sorry for the rant. I needed to vent. Much love to each and every one of you. James Coppert. And I think love is the essential thing to take from that. He loves the team. He loves the show, which I think is fabulous. And that's beautifully argued and, and absolutely correct, of course. Absolutely spot on, James. And James is also one of the nicest, whoops, the nicest people you'll meet in the Chelsea community. And I think what a brilliant email. I, do you know what? I, I, I know I can get, I can, I, I will send that to somebody who can get that in front of Frank Lampard. Yeah, definitely wonderful. Because I think it's just so well put. And it it just sums it all up. Written, yeah, it's beautifully, beautifully written. I I will I will send that to somebody who 
can get that in front of Frank Lampard, James, because I love, uh, the, I love that phrase. Or is my club just supported by fickle, self-entitled sports? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you and go. I, there's a big answer to that one. Now I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not. Used the word enemy, Judge. He did. The word enemy. I know. I, 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 I don't know what that means. Lack of the usual social or ethical standards in an individual. Well, he's done me like a kipper there, mate. Uh, now I'm not. I'm not going to interrupt Joe because I know Joe's watching the Chelsea youth playing at the moment. But uh, don't go anywhere, Joe, because you're getting a name check in the next email, <clears throat> which is from the lovely Alex Davidson, our mate in Boston. He says, "Hey, Chidge, kiddo, and exalted elders." I uh, don't think Joe will be happy about that, but Tony will have to lump it. Uh, one. Hate the unfinished Palace kit that Chelsea wore in Russia. They look so much better in all white. Two, Big Ed bossed his goal mouth. I hope Kipper was watching. Ed does not wait for shots to rein in. He intercepts the cross and snuffs out the danger. Inspiring confidence in his defenders. Three, Krasnodar were actually not a bad side. They certainly did not lie down and play dead. Four, to the Whinging Pillocks. Now, that sounds like a great name for a band, doesn't it, JK? Mm-hmm. I'd love it. The Whinging Pillocks. So, four. To the Whinging Pillocks. Wasn't it a terrible game? Chelsea only won 4-0. The goals were not balletic. Werner did not send the keeper the wrong way enough. I didn't like Frank's sweater. The grass was too green. Russia is a naff country. Now I have to brush the prawn cocktail flavoured crisps off the pyjamas I wear all day so so I can log on to Twitter and share my tizer fueled well considered views with the rest of the I need a I need a page turner, don't I, JK? You do with you the do. rest of the keyboard warriors. Somebody standing there just to turn the pages. Yes. I, I pay quite well, you know, one p a page. That's fair enough, isn't it? And they could wear very little. They could. I could get no, no. Don't take me down that alley. I'll get taken off air. Right. Five. Management wishes to state that it does not necessarily agree with the views expressed in item four and takes no responsibility for said views and possible unintended consequences. However, management would also like to state that it enjoyed a drop of Tizer when it was a child and believes it can be included in a healthy lifestyle. Uh, right. I'm I'm volunteering to walk the virtual plank. I have brought the fan cast into disrepute. It's a straight red. I neglected to hail Joe Tweedy in my salute to honoured guest, guest sir, in my last correspondence. I shall have to carry that burden for the rest of my days. And Dean Mears. And Dean Mears, yeah. And, and Dane, did he miss Dane off? Uh, I think he did, yeah. Yeah, I think the, the big, I mean, no offence to Dane and Dean, because they're fairly recent additions, but missing Joe off is sacrilegious. Of Can't be doing with that. I mean, I, poor old Joe. I mean, Joe and I go back a long way. You know, he had to suffer suffer my inanity, drunken inanities from Gate Seventeen for many. No wonder he buggered off to bloody Denmark. I can't now. I can now. I understand why. Anyway, uh, so where was I? Yes, he's going to carry that burden for missing you off the the roll of honour last week, Joe, for the rest of his days. Speaking of disgraces, calamity Kipper has been relieved of his duties. Bendy, Bendy Eddie Mendy is the real article. He owns his penalty area. That is what a keeper should do, and he makes the saves that mean 20 points a season don't just evaporate. Meanwhile, Mr Silver has been class. He does what it says on the tin. Reese James can defend. Zuma provides a physical presence that Christensen never could. Chilwell continues to be Chilwell. No worries there. As a result, the defence looks resolute and fit for purpose. Dare I say, a quiet confidence exudes. Next, 
I want to deal with the whinging pillocks again, banging on that Frank is out of his depth. First, that's Mr. Lampard to you. Second, you witnessed an assured performance versus a canny <coughs> Spanish Spanish outfit. Point earned. Proceed with confidence. Then another point earned against a perennial rival who just so happened to get a result against last season's Champions League runner-up. Existential crisis nipped in the bud. Now shut it. Last, bravo to Ross Barkley. He's found a good foster home. His new team have put him to good use. He has certainly helped them raise their game. I could not be more chuffed for him. And if the move became permanent, I would wish him well. He tried his best for Chelsea. I thank him for that. That leaves yet another thank you to Chidge Kiddo and assorted honoured guests. I receive each fancast with glee, like a slice of home I can't do without. Up the Chelsea. Cheers. Al Alistair Cook from Eastie. There you go. Great email, mate. Thank you. Lovely to hear from you. And Joe, Joe, have you got a um, have you got a response to being missed off the roll of honour? It's uh, it's fine. I, I don't hold grudges. You're such so, a lovely uh, I'll, man. I'll be, I'll be magnanimous. You are such a lovely man. Honestly, we 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 you know, you're too good for us, mate. That's for sure. J.K. Um, can I just read something from Dave DeBras very quickly? Always, because I love Dave DeBras, even though he's whipping Dave DeBras is whipping my ass in the Premier League predictions league that we have. Hey, Jonathan, Chidge asked me to send this to you as he hates Barry Manilow. <laughs> That's right, I remember now. <laughs> and refused, refuses to sing it. He said to ask you to sing this on the next fan cast. <laughs> to the tune of Mandy by Barry Manilow. I'd like you all to join in if you could. No, fuck Joe off. And Tony, okay, no, fuck off. Oh, oh, Mandy, your arms and your legs are so bendy. Then you came to the Chelsea... Cause you're trendy Oh Mendy You stopped our defenders From shaking Now a title onslaught Will start making Next Thank you um, uh, Before you do that I, I, yeah. I can find Because uh, you know D- Dave's in our discord group With the Prem Predictions League right? Which oh, yeah. you, you have all been invited to uh, he said, Chidge and Kiddo, can you please sing this on the fan cast, please, to the tune of Mandy by Barry Manilow, blah, blah. And I replied instantly, no, because I hate Barry Manilow. And then I said, Dave, you can send it to JK and he can embarrass himself if he wants. Did I, did I embarrass myself? I, I couldn't possibly be the judge of that, could I? <laughs> it was the wrong key. I should have read it much more. Oh, man. No, 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 no. Move, move, move on. I, Next I email. I wasn't going to sing it again. I was just telling you it could have been in a better key. Um, Leo uh, or, Mavers. Or even low. Oh, man. Um, yes. Well done, Dave, by the way. Well done, mate. Well done. I, I love these things because they'll never, ever get sung by anybody on the terraces ever. Not because of COVID, just because they just don't have any imagination. It'll be something like, oh, Mandy, 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 or something. It'll just be something, you know. But, um, Show us your Mandy's. Yeah, something, yeah, like that. It'll be, yeah, yeah, Mandy, yeah. Mandy. Something, yes. Anyway, sorry. Um, uh, Leo Mavers, dear Chidge and everyone, I've been listening to your brilliant podcast. Oh, Leo love you for the last five years now and even listen to three other podcasts about chelsea every week but always yours first before the others mate we love you i hated football as a kid had no interest in it until my midlife crisis about 20 years ago when traveling around the world i met some pompey fans in thailand remember they were once in the premier league and they dragged me to all the bars to watch football somehow i got hooked 
And as my favourite colour is blue, and as a spotty teenager spent my weekends trying to pose along the King's Road in my mini city, I decided to support Chelsea. I remember a year later, Roman came along and the rest is history. So you had to put up with Ranieri, you poor man. My eight-year-old son was recently signed by our local Premier League club's academy, not Chelsea, on the south coast where I moved from London. Due to COVID, we're not allowed to watch him training or at matches, apparently, due to the risk to the first team who train at the same ground. So hours and hours of travelling a week and little enjoyment from my end, although we do get to see him on, on video after the match. He's always been a Chelsea fan, although I've tried to push him to be a fan of his new club. But he always comes back to the Blues. Why would you want to do that, Leo? Anyway, now to the point of the email at last. I asked him what would he prefer, finish fourth with a new manager, Potch, etc., oh, or tenth with Frank. He gave the same answer as his 54-year-old dad. Frank, of course. Are we alone or does anyone out there agree with us? Well, Leo, why are we going to finish 10th? What's this all about? Is this just a kind of, this is just setting up a premise that we have to argue about? Because we're not going to finish 10th. I think we're going to win it. So I, 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 they're not bringing in a new manager after seven games. Well, doesn't make any sense to me. Is this like a kind of question you ask somebody just if it's hell, you know, in their dreams or something? You just say to them, you know, what would you think? What's going to happen? And you and you sort of taunt them with it because that's not, not going to happen at all. Sorry, Tony, I interrupted you. No, I've, I've bounced a few people on Twitter who've come down with the old, uh, we should go and get Pochettino liner. Like, this is the same Pochettino that won nothing with Spurs, nothing with Southampton. And as as far as I can remember, didn't win anything remotely in the same volume as Frank Lampard as a player. Yeah, but, you know... I, 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 you know, it's, I'm not saying he's a bad manager. What I'm saying is he's a, I'm not convinced he's a better one, really. No, I mean, yeah, but you see... Bottom, but ultimately, they sacked him in the end because they, 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 they didn't have that... The best thing to do is to ignore it all and just oh, think, yeah, I know think that, what but... you think. Yeah. There's no, I I'm 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 not going to I I've decided I've made up my mind Tony. I'm not going to analyze what people who are far intellectually inferior to me say on Twitter. No, I'm not that's a terribly arrogant thing to say. I'm just not going to bother with it at all because they are different from me. I am different from them. I accept and embrace their difference, but I'm not going to let it you know get me all agitated. You know, you said that was arrogant, but as as a famous doctor, I was joking about the intelligence yeah. bit because everybody knows I'm yeah. stupid. But a famous doctor in in casualty once said, "There's nothing wrong with being arrogant if you're right." Yeah, so well, I quite like that. <laughs> I, that's a very good point. But the point is, is that we, and I think this is a very pertinent point. I mean, Joe's a little bit younger than us, but we're all of a similar age. Football means something very different to us. You know, yes. it's it's a, it's like the difference between speaking English and Swahili. You know, the younger generations like football for a different reason. They're they're into the individual players. They're into playing FIFA-like stylish, you know, FIFA 20 stylish football. They're into personality. It's very so. You know, it's I think it's unfair, nay, silly of us to get all aerated about it and criticise them for it because. You know, it's a bit like what I said earlier. You know, you can't go and uh, kick your dog for shitting on the carpet. It's what dogs do. <laughs> right, Tony? Remember that conversation? Oh, yeah, yeah I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, you know... I, I, I just have a bit of fun with them when they come up and say, 
you know, flank out, pot in, and I'm like, okay, yeah. whatever, but let's have a look at their... Uh, we'll agree to disagree, I think, is the yeah. diplomatic stance. Anyway, we've got a lovely email from Alex uh, Lapchuk. Uh, two more, one, this one, and then one more, and then we're done. Good evening, Chidge, JK, and whomever gets their fan cast cap for tonight's appearance. Whomever, that's fantastic. We are just so in grammatical. We are. Yeah, I'm impressed. I hate to speak too hastily, but could we be starting to see things clicking into place within this Lampard side, albeit at a steady rate of progress with some goalless and quite frankly uneventful games against Man United and Sevilla? We went from games of attack, 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 you might score three, but we might score four type attitude in a basketball style of game to defend, defend, defend. Let's neither attempt to win and play out a cricket test match affair in which very little happens. And it goes on and on and on and on and on and on. He didn't actually write that many ons, but I gave it a bit of dramatic very good, very, very good. However, we must look at these games as points gained, not lost, as well as accepting that fixing the goals conceded problem was far more crucial than trying to score more and more each outing. Anyway, I digress. Our defence has been getting a rightful mention uh, a lot recently on the fan cast. They have upped their game to some extent accordingly. However, I believe the true talisman for our steadier backline is the big man between the sticks. Really? Mendy is not the quick fix short-term Mender replacement we all expected him to be. He is looking like the real deal. The man commands balls into the box like few goalkeepers I can recall in recent times. He makes saves like a coiled jack-in-the-box, just pouncing upon any and all shots regardless of angle or flight. He also brings a calm to the players and fans alike, watching assured that any shot on target against us actually has a chance of being stopped now. Miraculous stuff. Who knew that having a goalkeeper who saves shots was such a necessity? Apparently, Kepper missed that memo. Back to Mendy. The man has a likability factor similar to that of Kante. He is quite quietly making loud statements by letting his performances do the talking. He would certainly, uh, we certainly would have let a slip against the, uh, sorry, he certainly wouldn't have let a slip up against the Saints. The reality is this, without Mendy, we would have lost to Severe, lost to United, and probably made it far trickier for ourselves against the Russian pensioners. The back line, I, I completely agree with that, by the way. It's a really good point. The back line, trust him. I look at our form this season and the points dropped so far and wonder, what if we had had Mendy from game one? Things just might be looking differently for us in the league table. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. It certainly is, Alex. Uh, I also want to quickly touch on another point up for discussion. I tweeted Chidge at the start of the season with my thoughts on a potential best lineup. Mine included using Giroud up top with Werner playing off him one side and Pulisic the other. This still leaves room for the three midfielders of Havertz, Mount and Kante. Pretty much what uh, JK, I think, was saying earlier on. Uh, Giroud, let's face it, secured us fourth last year with his immense... I wanted to say beard but he didn't write Beard, with his immense <laughs> post-lockdown form, only to once again see his offerings to be somewhat forgotten in favour of pacey youth. Yes, agreed this is the modern game, but Giroud offers something different. He reads the game fantastically, holds up as good as anyone, and can flick on any high ball to a pacey run from Pulisic or Timo. Let's not forget, he's pretty handy with any dead ball played into the box, and I always fancy his chances of hitting the target when he inevitably beats a defender to the ball. Point being, I still can't help but feel like it's an avenue yet to be fully explored. I write this pre-Burnley game. 
I'll be away with work and unable to watch the match. But a tall, strong, physical team like Burnley need players to match them. Get Giroud on, let him help out at the back during set pieces where we are vulnerable and then have him utilise Timo and Pulisic going forward. Am I the only one who believes this could work? All my points on Mendy and or Giroud could be totally null and void if the Burnley game goes terribly wrong. As always, keep the blue flag flying high and up the shells. Alex at Tweet Chuck. Um, well, I mean, Giroud scored a great goal apart from the fact that it was offside and he did get on. And I mean, you're, you're a big fan of the idea of Giroud playing more, aren't you, JK? Yeah, I'm just, I'm a big fan of his, full stop. I, I, I admit he's not as mobile as Abraham is. That's why I think Abraham will, will probably get the nod every time. But um, uh, I think he's pretty, still pretty integral to the setup, just because of his his ability to score goals from the edge of the penalty area with headers that other people just never get anywhere near. And as and as um, as Alex says, is he hits the target in, uh, really regularly, and he's uh, he's he's a top player. I just think um, it's it's interesting to see what on earth would have happened to the team had we not uh, had lockdown um, in March. Uh, after we'd beaten Everton 4-0, where I thought he was completely outstanding. And they seemed to have found a structure that fitted the team. And I think we've moved away from that now with the new players. But at the time, um, with Gilmore in the middle, um, he just seemed to have a focus that seemed to work. I mean, I, I, it might be that he plays the whole of the game tomorrow, in which case that would be that would be intriguing to see how he figures. Yeah. But um, um, uh, he's definitely very much a part of the group. It's just at the moment that Frank... He's trying to play with Werner is is the uh, is the man in possession, obviously, because he's and Tammy Tammy is the alternative, and and I mean, we you know, yeah. here's the thing, Alex, we all, we all absolutely love Giroud. I, yeah. I I absolutely love him. I can't yeah. say, you know, how I mean, I just love the man, but you know, you, we cannot have it always. We've got you know potentially a world class striker in Timo Werner, who we who we bought obviously, and then we've got. A young lad that's come up from the youth, huge potential, did brilliantly last season, you know, who I want to see get given a chance. And every time that Tammy's given a chance, he never lets you down. I thought he was I don't think we talked about this enough actually earlier on, but I thought Tammy was brilliant I against him, I gave him a big I gave him a big write up there. You did, you did, that's true. But I mean, you know, I thought he was brilliant against Burnley. I think he links uh, I mean, you know, he considering he's young and he's learning the game, whereas Giroud is a hugely experienced, classy, finished article of a player. I think that Tammy is his rate. His rate of progression is excellent. You know, he's holding the ball up. He's good in in defence as well. He's a big unit. He's fast. So I can understand why Frank says it's Werner, then Tammy, and then Giroud. But I like you, J.K. I think Giroud. You know, he 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 has a role to play this season on the pitch as well as off it. Because I think his role off it is superb. But I think. You know, you need you need a wily striker like him around, don't you, Tone? You do. I, I, listen, he would have known Frank's plans for players. I'm pretty sure Frank would have confided him, him or in him with that, so that you know he, he would have had a choice of going uh, elsewhere. But he, you know, he he decided to stay. I think he sees himself. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being seen as the elder of a team with the experience and everything like that. He's a lovely player to watch. I've said it before. He defends like Drogba used to defend. He he hassles defenders like Drogba used to do. He, he's almost a, a kind of white French version of, of Didier Drogba in some ways. Um, you know, he gets his foot in 
he's he's good with feet on the ball. He's not fast. Intelligent players don't have to be. No one ever accused Ibrahimovic of being fast in the last few years, did they? No. So, you know, I, I think he's got a touch of that about him. And I think he's a valuable addition to the team. I hope I hope he's happy. I hope he enjoys what he's doing at the moment. Maybe he's he's uh, he's enjoying the role of, of mentor in the background or whatever. Um but it's right. He's right. We persevere with youth. But yeah, look, I can't say enough about it. We finished fourth because of him. Yeah. We finished fourth because Definitely. of him. Is what he what he gave us. Do you want to, do I also you want... think if you think of the sorry, sorry, you're going to ask Joe something, weren't you? Sorry. Joe. No, no, no. Go on, go on. No, I was just going to say that if you think in terms of the three strikers they've got, it's so much nicer to say Werner, Abraham, and Giroud rather than um, uh, Giroud, Abraham, and Batshuayi. Oh Christ on a bike, yeah. That was the alternative. Yeah, totally. You right. know, so so. Uh, I'm pleased that they've got three class people to choose from. Indeed. I, I think I, that's going really far towards what the club and, needs and to get. And you need three decent strikers. Estimation. You need, absolutely. Yeah, that's my point you about, you know, it. I keep going back to the Kenyan thing. You know, you need top players in every position, even in the squad. And it becomes an even stronger squad if you've got Giroud as the it's, third It's, it's a good mix. Joe, um, I just want to get a bit of Giroud love from you. You can just say I love his beard and that'd be enough for me, but you can say whatever you like. I mean, I, I've said it a couple of times. I think Chelsea's four-three-three will work best with a target man, and I actually I see a position where Mr. Giroud will probably play a fair amount of games. Um, in terms of like a player to learn from, I think you can certainly credit Tammy's development by working with Giroud kind of day in day out yeah. because if he can get anywhere near that level of ability to play with his back to goal, with all the other stuff that Tammy can do, his ability to run in behind, sort of finishing quality, his pace, etc. It adds a little bit of a different dimension to his game as he sort of continues to fill out. So, you know, these these taller, kind of more target man-based strikers, 25 to 33, I mean, you know, they've they've got so many years sort of on the latter part in their career. I think Drogba, Ibrahimovic, you know, Costa, etc., players in the latter part of their career who, who really excelled in that role. So, yeah, I think Giroud is a top professional. I completely agree with Tony that he was a very large reason why we, why we actually secured fourth. Um, I still think he'll have a very, very important role to play this season both in terms of mentoring two very young strikers, uh, but also I think in terms of what he can add to the team as well. I think the really, really interesting thing to me, I would love to see this sort of represented or reflected in some of the younger players. Giroud didn't look anywhere near off the pace when he came on at the weekend. And it's sort of like a professional thing with him. I think he, he's constantly ready to play. It doesn't matter if he's playing as a sub or starting. And that sort of uh, mentality, that, that ability to prepare yourself, I think that is something that he can definitely impart on a lot of the younger players. Certainly, when they came back from lockdown, I thought a lot of the younger players were a little bit off the off the pace. Yeah. Some of the older players were were just far more kind of in tune with with, with what was happening. So, yeah, I just think he's a top professional and quite clearly somebody who I think will have a uh, a very big role to play this season. Here, bloody here, great, lovely Joe, love that, and uh, and the, and the most important thing, of course. Oli Giroud is a beautiful man. Never, ever forget that. Uh, You've got a man crush, haven't you? I do. I fancy the shit out of him, mate. I could turn for Oli Giroud. I really could. Can you grow a beard like him? No, because he's just, you know, he's the bearded wonder man. I bet you could. I'm just, I've got more of a cat weasel thing going on here. He's like the real deal, mate. True, actually. You're absolutely right. You're right. The only thing I've got on on Oli Giroud is that my beard is greyer than his. That's not really... a, bit, a bit older, Chidge. Well, that's yeah, that's true. Um, we got one more email, old Bean. It's a cracker. It's from Ryonic the Gamer. Do you think that's the correct pronunciation? I think Chidge? so. 
Rionic. Rionic the Gamer. I think he might be. Rionic the Gamer. Rionic the Gamer. He might be Eastern European, but of course he could easily be American. Like Pulisic. Rionic the Gamer. I don't know. I don't know where he's from. He didn't tell me. Okay, right. Rionic. Okay. Um, My sister loves your podcast. She cannot get enough of it. She has a crush on all of your presenters. Keep doing what you do. <laughs> well, I wish I knew what it was, and I'd bottle it, mate. <laughs> well, Does she have any pictures? Can she send us a picture? Well, well no, I mean, Rianick, if, if your sister... Can wants, I send her a picture? Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, if Rianick, if, uh, if she wants signed pictures of us, I'm sure we can arrange that. Oh, I know. think we all know who the female magnet is on this podcast. Alex, Diana, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. What is it? It's Alex or Diana, is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, you're getting a you're getting a broad female following. I'm just, just trying to think I'm, of all I'm, the podcasters. I'm not saying it's entirely down to me, but it is almost entirely down to me. I think. I, I'm just trying to think, in all seriousness, Tony, who the real babe magnet on the podcast would be. I, I discount immediately you, me, and J.K. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Uh, Clayton, I, I'm just thinking it's got to be one of the younger lads, hasn't it? I think if it was, it would be a toss-up, no pun intended, uh, between Joe and Dean and Dane. You know, yeah. what, Joe, Joe, because of the fact we've never ever seen him. Well, J- Joe's still got all of his own hair for a start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's under fifty. You know. As much as I like Clayton, they would have to have a bit of a Donald Pleasance thing. Going. They would have to have a bit of a Donald Pleasance thing going, and <laughs> you know. You, me, and you, me, and J.K. are far too fat and old. Well, J.K.'s not fat, but definitely old. Uh, Dan, you know, Dan's, you know, it's not just down to age, you know. Well, Dan, Dan's uh, unless you've got a daddy complex, mate. But Dan, Dan is, you know, you know, he's getting on a bit too, mate. He's no spring chicken anymore. I think it would be between Dean, Dane, and Joe. Who have I missed out here? It's like my little Dean, Dane, and Dean and Dane, Dean and Dane, and Joe. I think it's between them. They're the pin-up boys of the Chelsea fancast, mate. Not us lot, that's for sure. But anyway, that aside, Rianick, lovely to hear from you. Uh, lo- I-, I love the fact that your sister loves the show. I think we all collectively say, Rianick's sister, thank you for listening. We love the fact that you love the podcast. Why don't you send an email in as well next time? And then, Can I uh, ask Rianick if he's played um, Assassin's Creed Unity? And, and uh, being a gamer, uh, or the other Assassin's Creed that I was in, I can't remember what it was. Because if so, he's heard my little voice. There we go. Chasing him. Chasing him as to get him. There he is! Get him! Get him! Come on, kill him! Yeah, get him! After him! Because that's what I did. As um... mentioned for the uh, for the youth, they've just... I know, I heard that. Through. I've been trying to avoid um, talking about it, Tone. 3-2, isn't it? It seems like a valiant battle against uh, a very, very proficient um, City team. Uh, and Leicester have just restored their two-goal lead. Yeah, they're three-one, and I had Leeds three-one, so that means I have probably got minus five hundred points on the. You have, you have, you have massive. I have had a Western Super, mate. I tell you, I refuse to ever think that Leeds will win. I know. So I always, I, I always say it's going to be three-one to whoever plays against them. Jk, I don't want them. I don't want them. I to tried win. to be too bloody clever this week, and you've whooped my art. You've you've handed me a can of whoop ass for the first time this season. But anyway, time. all will be revealed on Friday when I will have the results of our Prem Predictions League out. Because uh, I am afraid that is all we've got time for this week. Now, Jk and myself will be joined by the aforementioned Clayton this Friday at seven p.m. 
uh, to look ahead to the Sheffield United game in our preview show. And then uh, JK and me will be joined by Dean Mears and Mark Meehan next Monday for the Monday Night Chelsea Fan Class. That'll well, be a gig. it's Mark. You mentioned Mark. Perhaps he likes Mark. Mark Meehan, yeah, he's still got his own, own hair, but he's a, yeah, sim- he's a similar yeah, vintage. Yeah. I've still got my own hair. Tony's still got his own hair, and yet we're old. We have got, I've got a bit of hair. I think you got somebody else's hair kind of well, stuck on the so top there. You're always so rude to me mate. about my hair. That's because oh. I've got so much. Yeah, can I have some of yours? Yeah, I, I sell it. Not your pubics. No, no, no. I don't need pubics anymore because the older I've got, Jonathan, the curlier yeah. my hair has got. Have you seen? Oh, it's getting yeah. all curly. I love it, Chidge. Yeah, it's, kiss curl. It's yeah. getting all curly. It never yeah, used to be curly when I was ass, younger. That's ass kiss curl. Yeah, good. Yeah. Something genetic. Keep yeah. trying. Yeah. Keep trying. Because yeah, you know I, you. I've got to say, Chidge, yours, your. your your predictions, you were the worst in the Chelsea fan club. Yeah, I, I have said this about 17 yeah. times tonight. I have no shame. Anyway, yeah, enough. We've got to get on because I want to go to bed. Better, right. Mayor, I have right? had a Western Super. There's no doubt about it. Now, yeah, we'll be back on Monday. Well, we'll be back on Friday for the preview show. Me, Jonathan Clayton, back on Monday for the Monday night show with me, Jonathan Dean, and Mark Meehan, the lovely Mark Meehan. Uh, the fan cast, and I know Zuriel asked about this earlier, and I hope he's still in the house and he can hear it from the horse's mouth, but the Chelsea fan cast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFanCast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as lots of other podcast distributors. And providing I don't collapse in a heap, having had too much Guinness and I'm tired, it will be up tonight. It usually goes up about an hour or two after the sh- after we finish the show. All right? Uh, you can also find the Chelsea Fancast and all the best Chelsea podcasts on the CFC Blues app, as they tell you here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Right, quick as ever, shout out for our lovely Patreon uh, members, thank you so much for those of you who donate to us on Patreon. I noticed a few joined this week. I won't uh, embarrass you by saying whom, but you know who you are. Have yourselves a very big virtual kiss from your Uncle Chidge for doing so and being so generous. By the way, the new people, if you want a, a signed uh, Kerry Dixon mini banner, let me know on Patreon and I will I will get one to you because that's kind of what happens. Uh, but anyway, if you want to get hold of us on Patreon, it's it's, it's a great way to communicate with us. Uh, we also do the occasional show where you can join in and play. We're doing one on the 16th of November in a Q&A special. So if you're a Patreon member, you can you can come and join us on Zoom, be part of the show. How much fun would that be? Uh, so there you go. So it's great fun. There's also a Discord group, which I've set up for our Premier League predictions uh, members uh, but I've opened it up to our Patreon members too. So if you're on Patreon, again, let me know and I'll send you a link and you can join the Discord group, which means you can we can talk nonsense to each other while we're watching the football, which is kind of what we tend to do. It's, and I have to say, you know, it's much more... It, you know, I can't do WhatsApp because otherwise my life would be over. But, you know, it's... Tony, it's like Twitter, but with your mates and no other what, fucker well it's an app that works like kind of twitter and whatsapp but you choose who joins you right oh, so you get no idiots it's wonderful mate there's loads of us in there from the prem predictions league and a few from patreon what's it called it's called discord i emailed you a link to it 
anyway exactly. so there you go join the discord group if you're in patreon uh and of course you get an invite anyway if you're in our prem predictions league uh emails that we've just read out as you know if you want your email patreon message instagram post or tweet to be read out on the show then you must let me have them by the end of the day on sunday or at the absolute latest early monday morning and they will be read out we always read them out and the email address, of course, is chelseafancast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at chelseafancast, me at Stamford Chid, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, and Joe at Joe Tweedy. And of course, as I said, Instagram and Facebook are also at Chelsea Fancast. Uh, Joe, you have, it's, been, it's such a joy having you on the show, Joe. Always, always brilliant insight and just lovely to talk to you, mate. Really lovely to catch up. Yeah, it's been great fun. Really enjoyed it, Chish. Well done. Did you manage to watch the youth game while we were yabbering away? Watching bits and pieces of it, yeah. I mean, they were probably outmatched a little bit. City have got a really good centre forward um, in in Delaps. I think it's Roy Delaps and Liam. Um, very, has he very got a long throw? He has actually. Yeah, no way. Uh, interesting. But considering we we probably could have had Brojo, who's obviously doing very well on loan in Holland, and also Ian Matson, who's doing very well at Charlton, both could have played. Might have been a bit of a different game. And uh, Chelsea's probably starlet, Tino Andrin, just coming back from a serious injury, only played 45 minutes in the second half. Played very well, but I think we, we missed him sort of being fully fit for the game. But still, that there's a number of kids who are coming through that are going to be serious contention for the, for the first thing over the next mm-hmm. few years. Excellent stuff. Well done. Well, Joe, great to see you. Hopefully we'll get you back on real soon. Um, and good luck with all the things that you're doing. Good luck with you. Oh, yeah, actually, I meant to ask you that. Tell me about your King's Road thing with the London is Blue boys. Yeah, so... Um, I kind of been speaking to him about it for for a while. It's going to be sort of a long form series it, of podcasts. Your, your guide to the Kings Road pubs, is it, or something like that? There will actually probably be an episode on that, yeah, as well. So Kings Road pubs, but it, it's just taking a little bit of a dive into sort of a various number of Chelsea topics. So uh, yeah, like long form style pods, thirty minutes to an hour. Um, first one probably will be about the academy going from sort of Glenn Hoddle's vision to what it is today. But loads and loads of topics and lots of uh, interesting guests as well. So, yeah, something to keep in mind. Great stuff. Well done, you. They don't deserve you, but I love you for it anyway. (laughs) Um, All right. Okay. Uh, Joe, brilliant. Lovely to see you, mate. You take care. Good luck with the move out to you know where, and we'll catch up with you real soon. Mr. G, Mr. Glover, I'm gutted that I can't go another pint with you down your Uh way, thanks to the bloody lockdown. But no, hopefully I'll see you on a Friday night in the old virtual pub, yeah? should be there this Friday. I had friends down last week and um, my liver and kidneys will have um, hopefully recovered fully by Friday night. Good man. Great to see you as always, mate. Uh, Been fun tonight. Enjoyed it. Last, but by no means least, uh, Mr. Kidd. Uh, Absolute delight as always, dear boy. Enjoyed it immensely. Mm. Lovely guests as always. Mm. Uh, Everybody on fire. Loved it. Loved it. Me too, mate. I'm absolutely gagging for a piss because i've drank far too much guinness well, doing the show done well you haven't revealed that to us but thanks for sharing that's all right anytime mate anytime <laughs> you know i haven't actually quite succumbed to actually going in the glass whilst doing the show i'm, I'm a bit more adult and mature you'd now. probably hear that though wouldn't we? you so might do that yeah you have to mute yourself and you've got no opportunity to do that and i so. would never do that no, no. well you give me a sign couldn't you and i could I, just uh, i could carry on talking for you for a few seconds well i am but... I, I am i am as unmutable as i am as i am immutable immutable oh clever jonathan absolute delight to see you looking forward to seeing you on friday be another giggle no doubt and do you know what i tell you what on friday i hopefully we'll get a sheffield united fan on and i want them to sing the chip butty song yes yeah yes. that'll be great i agree that's yeah, my yeah. plan all right yeah, i've got to yeah. go and find one first but that's my mission this week 
Good. So there you go. All right. Jonathan, great to see you as always. And the Mixler people, you're all absolutely lovely. And we love every single one of you. Well done for sticking with us this evening. And in fact, for as long as you've been with us. It's brilliant. Uh, now, the immortal words are about to be uttered. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chels. Up the chels! Vom ewigen Eis der Gletscher zum Artenreichtum des Regenwaldes. Von den Tiefen der Ozeane zu den höchsten Gipfeln der Welt. Mit dem neuen Sender Sky Nature ist man ganz nah dran. Tauche zusammen mit Schauspieler Fariadim tief in die Welt der Elemente ein. Oder blicke der Fridays-for-Future-Ikone Greta Thunberg über die Schulter. Mit zahlreichen Sky Originals und aufwendigen Naturdokumentationen bietet Sky Nature ein inspirierendes Programm rund um unseren Planeten. Sky Nature. Jetzt neu auf Sky.